I'm asking all of my listeners, my proud supporters of our courageous men and women in blue to join me and express your unwavering appreciation for law enforcement. Thin Blue Line USA has stylish apparel, great accessories that make a statement and flags that fly with pride. They've got everything you need to show your support for law enforcement. Go to ThinBlueLineUSA.com and shop a wide selection of products to show up your patriotism. Use code SID and get 15% off. Stand with me, Sid, and stand with WABC as we honor those who protect and serve. ThinBlueLineUSA.com. Once again, use the code word SID. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. What you say? Just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oi. Person having received the majority of the whole number of votes cast by surname, a speaker has not been elected. The House stands adjourned until noon tomorrow. Are you going to stay in the race, Leader McCarthy? Yes. I'm not going anywhere. Now to the migrant crisis, and Mayor Adams says more asylum seekers are expected to arrive in New York City. We were notified yesterday that the governor of Colorado is now stating that they are going to be sending migrants to places like New York and Chicago. Uh, This is just unfair uh, for local governments to have to take on this national obligation. We've done our job. A new year and a new COVID sub-variant is dominating medical headlines. The new mutation is responsible for a majority of infections in the Northeast. 2023 is starting off much the same way as its predecessor, with a new COVID strain rapidly gaining dominance and concerns about another wave. Sometimes you have uh, somebody on the radio program and you have a conversation and you know that when this person is on the show, they're a newsmaker. You just know that instinctively based, of course, on their position. In other words, if Donald Trump decided to come back to this show, he's only done it once. And I interviewed Donald Trump. It would be just about everywhere. On the flip side, if I decided to interview Joe Biden which I would probably do, I can't stand them, I get it, but my job is not to necessarily bring on people that I like and or people that you like, which I've tried to explain to you morons time and time again. I can't tell you how many people were on social media livid that I had the mayor on yesterday. And my point is... (laughs) 
Whether you were watching Dana Tyler on CBS Local News last night, Bill Ritter on ABC Channel 7 Local News last night, if you read the nation's most popular newspaper, the New York Post, this morning, what you heard and what you're going to see is Mayor Adams made these comments with Sid Rosenberg from Sid and Friends on Talk Radio 77 WBC. As a Macedonia Phil drops off the New York Post right now, page 8, Colorado, I sending migrants. Now, Eric in Rockies fight. Quote, we've done our job. There's no more room at the inn, says Mayor Adams. And it only takes two paragraphs for the authors here, Bernadette Hogan and Jesse O'Neill, to mention Sid and Friends, Sid Rosenberg, and WABC. That's how you do this, folks. That's the game. Very simply. Not even a game, to be honest. This is serious stuff. This is the mayor of New York City. It really doesn't matter whether you like him or not. He is in a job of authority. And my job is to get you news on the spot sometimes, not always. You know, listening to me for many, many years, that I always place entertainment, lifestyle, family, even sports ahead of the constant constant political and newsy regurgitation, which is what we do all the time on this station. We say the same thing over and over and over again. We all do it. Every host on this station, Bernard, God rest his soul, whether it's the criticism of Joe Biden, the criticism of Kathy Hochul, the applause for Donald Trump, or kind of the I guess both. He gets both Mayor Eric Adams. It's the same thing over and over again. So given the opportunity to speak to the man that runs this city, a city that, yes, I did leave after living here for six years. I still live in Queens. I'm still a New Yorker. He's still my mayor. But I did leave New York City after six years. And I want to see this place get back to where it was. I still work here every day and still love this city. You know, I got to tell you, I've been relocated. You know the whole story about my house. We found out yesterday it's even worse, even worse, because what's happened is under my floors, I've got beautiful wooden floors. Under my floors, there is water collecting, and according to one of my construction guys, already some black mold. So now what that means is, is my walls have been blown out. My carpeting has been ripped up, brand new carpeting, and now they got to replace almost all my floors, all of them. So I have no idea when I'm getting back to Rockaway, when the house is going to be really livable. It's a mess. Now, in the end, it'll be great. Basically a brand-new house and insurance covers it, but the -the out-of-the-pocket expense early on and the relocation is not easy. But, But it affords me the opportunity and family to do things in the city I wouldn't do. Can't tell you how many times Pete Morgan said, I have Ranger tickets. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't get back to Queens. I'm not taking a 9 o'clock ferry. No thanks. But now I'm living on 44th Street. So when Morgan gave me three tickets to the Rangers and Hurricanes yesterday, I couldn't wait to go. And we had a great time. Not a good time, a great time. Me, Danielle, Gabriel, Rangers came back. 
three unanswered third-period goals, beat the Hurricanes 5-3, to 18,000 rabid New Yorkers going nuts. Panarin, two goals. It was a blast. And I was home in five minutes. And I, I said to Gaby last night, my son, I said, this is still the greatest city in the world. I mean, we walk a lot now because we're staying on 44th Street. We walk to lunch. We walk to dinner. We basically walked back from the garden last night. This is still a very exciting city. And I want this city to be great again. We're not there yet. It doesn't matter what Mayor Eric Adams says. And maybe this will be his Aaron Judge season. I don't know. Like I said to him yesterday, kind of lofty. I would have gone for somebody a little, a little less great than Aaron Judge in year number two. But I get his point. I get his point. So he made all these points on this show yesterday about the migrants, Denver, Colorado, about tourism doing great here in New York City, about how basically New York City is back. Does he operate under hyperbole? Of, of, of course he does, yes. Hyperbole. Yes, he does. But as a mayor, he's trying to convince you, come back, go to work. We are great. We're already great. We don't have to be great again. We're already great. What do you want the guy to say? You want the mayor of the city to say, you know what, truth be told, folks, it's a hellhole. Can't take the subways. Can't walk the streets. Rents are too high. Filth everywhere. Homeless everywhere. You want to say that? Or you could do Bill de Blasio, who just said nothing. You know, Brian Kilmeade is going to join me at 740 this morning. And Kilmeade made the point yesterday because he talked about this story, too, the Rosenberg-Adams interview, that the city, that Eric Adams, I should say, already has done an 80% better job than Bill de Blasio. You see, if you take your head out of your ass and stop worrying about what your politics are, which I've just had enough of, I just don't care, if you do that, then you have to come to the crashing realization that even though things are far from good, at least this guy cares. Now, it's one thing to care, and say the right thing, it's another to do the right thing. He hasn't done it yet. I'm not on the air every day telling you Eric Adams is, is Rudy Giuliani or Ed Koch. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is he has the opportunity to get close to those guys where the guy before him never cared. Eric does care. Now we'll see if he can make things happen. He does want to change cashless bail. He's been to Albany more than once. He does not have the authority or the power to change it. He's got three people ahead of him on that hierarchy ladder, which include, obviously, Heasty, Stewart Cousins, and even that creep, the governor, Kathy Hochul. But he's tried. Later on tonight, I will see Mayor Adams. We'll be walking down 34th Street, 9 o'clock tonight. Another thing I can do tonight because I'm living in the city. Back to my point about the Ranger game, we're going to feed the homeless, something that he does Wednesday nights, coalition to feed the homeless in New York City. You know what's funny? You guys remember I had my good buddy Tony Asso on around Christmas, and uh, my old friend Dolores Catania from the Housewives introduced me to Tony years ago, and I spent two years handing out knapsacks between Penn Station and the Port Authority during Christmas to the homeless. So on one hand, I'm the first guy to savage the homeless. I can't stand them. I'm not even all that sympathetic, to be honest. I want to get rid of them. Put them on an island somewhere. I don't care if they're just crazy. Obviously, they're violent. That's even worse. But 
I can't stand them. I want to get rid of them. But I do hand out knapsacks. And tonight, with the mayor, I will be handing out food. So I guess in this case, like a lot of cases, I'm a bit of a hypocrite. But to help out the city, when the mayor called me and said, will you do this? I wasn't going to say no, because I place city first. You all love Donald Trump because he placed country first. And I still love Donald Trump for doing that. Same thing here, folks. I place city first. I don't care what you think. I don't care how many hours a day Curtis Lewa does his shtick on me. I find it hilarious I mean, I get about 10 texts from Curtis every day. I get all the audio. And what's funny to me is all you people out there that think he's serious. Oh, Curtis is talking smack. Who cares? That's his shtick. What would he do without me? How could he possibly fill 45 minutes every weekday and 18 hours every weekend without me? So he goes off, whether it's Mayor Adams or what was his thing yesterday? The Rats? Curtis is going to set up like a, a, a rat camp in front of the mayor's house. Yeah, feral. He's tra- he's trained feral cats. <laughs> That's has been his thing uh, for yeah, a while. Yeah. That was his idea. <laughs> well, maybe it works. Ah, uh, boy, good for Curtis. <laughs> Listen, I love Curtis. I put him on twice a week on this show because I find it to be incredibly entertaining. But ninety nine percent of what he does is shtick. That's all it is, folks. So anyway, uh, the mayor. Uh, Got us everywhere yesterday, Sid and Friends in the morning. Every local news network carried it. The newspapers, Fox News this morning will be playing some of our cuts. So congratulations to you, Lou Rufino, for booking Eric Adams and uh, getting us all over the city. Well done, Lou. Well, I, I, you know, it's just part of my... You day. hate Eric Adams. Stop the day. nonsense. You and, and Curtis sit there, the two of you, and you hate him. Why do you hate him so much? I don't. Why do you always use this word hate? I don't hate Well, anybody. you don't like him. No. Well, I don't know him. Yeah. But I don't. But what I see, I, I, I just want the city to be nice and safe. Well, but it's just not going to happen overnight, my friend. Okay. For eight years, Bill de Blasio let this place go to crap. I mean, you think anybody was going to just walk in and fix it overnight? Well, we can. Let's go. <laughs> I think we can fix it. Yeah, Eric Adams is going to fix it, or he's not. I liked how you how you took the uh, the positive about you, your house, and now you can live in the city for a while. That's a great positive way of looking. No, I at miss things. my house, though. I, you're right. I, I am looking for the positive. <laughs> now, now my family can go to a ranger game. We go to a ranger to game. A- we can feed the homeless <laughs> with the mayor tonight. We walk to dinner. My son was home from school yesterday in 15 minutes instead of 90 minutes. Every time my son takes the bus home from New York City, I'm scared to death. I really am, Lou. So there are some positives. I mean, it's very convenient for me. I've now walked to work the last two mornings and gotten here in 10 minutes. You know, no Gene, no Fred, no Levi. I walked to work in 10 minutes. But even that, you're coming in early in the morning. Are you completely safe? Do you feel? I don't even worry about it. Okay. Yeah, I do. um, I do. I look a lot of weight. You know, I still take a shot of testosterone once in a while. Good luck. You want to go at me? Good luck. Good luck. Bring it. Let's go. I would like nothing more, trust me, than at a quarter to five in the morning on the walk here for some scumbag lowlife to pick a fight with me and beat them half to death right in the streets and get back on CBS News. That's great. And yeah. you come right in? Right in. 
Right, didn't have coffee? That's it. Let's go. Showtime. Because we're already in a pissed off mood waking up at this hour, so that's what you need. I am saving a ton of money. You know, I realize i got to get this in my next contract. I know John Katsimatidis and Margo listen every morning. God, I love them. But I can't be paying for uh, cab fare anymore to come to work. Not when you're the number one host in New York City. We've got to change that. So I haven't spent a penny the last couple of days because I'm walking to work, but that's a lot of money every month. A lot. So that, uh, that, that's a plus. Right? Yeah. There are some pluses. It's a lot. But I miss my house. I do. Now it's a mess. It's going to be worse than I thought. I have no idea. This this could be like three or four months before this house is completely fixed. Yeah, water is fun in your house. Oh, nothing worse. Nothing. Nothing worse. Nothing. Unless you burn, you know, unless burnt dinner. That's bad. I'm hoping for opening day. Met baseball and my house finally completely fixed. Also yesterday, Kevin McCarthy, he's now 0 for 3. He lost again. He lost the vote again to be speaker, Kevin McCarthy, with all kinds of audio from Kevin, from Matt Gates, Chip Roy, Lauren Bobert, Steve Scalise, just about everybody. And what a guest list today. Once again, Brian Kilmeade coming up at 740. My dear friend, the great fashion designer, Joseph Abood, live in studio at 805. Peter King, always great on a Wednesday, coming up at 840. Former New York football giant Super Bowl quarterback, now one of the stars on the NFL Today on CBS. Bill Sims will be here at 9.05. And one of the stars of Real Housewives of New York, a former colleague here at WABC, talking about Curtis. Curtis Lee was former teammate, Ebony K. Williams. She'll be here at 9.30. 1-800-848-WABC. That's the number as always. 1-800-848-9222. Off to a great start already. It's Sid and Friends in the morning on a Wednesday. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. Little Boston for you, 624, hump day Wednesday morning, back here in the number one rated Nielsen News Talk show in the city. Morning show, Sid and Friends in the morning, the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. Brian Kilmeade, Joseph Aboud, Peter King, Ebony K. Williams, and Phil Sims all set to stop by today. Talking about Phil, I initially texted Phil on Sunday after the Giants destroyed the Colts because... For the first time since I came back to New York in 2016, almost seven years to the day, the football giants are back in the playoffs. They've got a meaningless game against the Eagles coming up on Sunday. Means nothing. Giants already locked in as the sixth seed. The only question is, will they play Minnesota? That's their likely competitor, or San Francisco. But I texted Phil because he is still the face, I believe. I know Eli Manning won two Super Bowls, but... That Sims 
Super Bowl team that beat John Elway and the Broncos in Pasadena in 1986. Still my favorite giant team ever. Sims and Bavaro and Joe Morris, Lawrence Taylor, all those guys. In fact, I spoke to LT on Sunday, too. So Sims agreed to come on, but I was nervous that after that horrible injury to DeMar Hamlin, the Buffalo Bills defensive back in the game against the Bengals, which was postponed on Monday night, that Sims may not be able to come on because everybody in the sports, especially football world, is just, they're working 24 hours on this Hamlin story. It's getting to the point where it's becoming a bit much. Let the guy get better and uh, take it from there, but sports channels need to cover it. And there was some news yesterday. It turned out that this guy's now died twice. He had to be resuscitated again yesterday. His heart stopped. So he is not out of the woods, not just yet. So I was nervous, of course, that uh, Phil would be spending his time on that story. But Phil did contact me yesterday. He is going to come on this morning. So we'll talk about the Giants in the postseason, this Hamlin story. There's a guy, if you don't follow sports, you wouldn't know who he is. But his name is Skip Bayless. And he's one of the biggest douchebags God ever created. Bottom line. I mean, just a complete raving a-hole. And I don't know how, but I guess, as Don King once said, only in America, this guy makes about $8 million a year. That's not an exaggerated figure. That's the number. About $8 million a year. Makes a lot more than I do. And he sits there and has these ridiculous, nonsensical, stupid sports arguments with a guy who's not exactly the brightest bulb on the tree, was a tremendous football player, NFL Hall of Famer named Shannon Sharp. In fact, my friend Joy Taylor, who happens to be Dolphins Hall of Famer Jason Taylor's sister, I gave Joy Taylor her first job in radio down at WQIM in Miami. Now she sits alongside Colin Coward every day. She's a big star. She was the initial moderator on that show. And she didn't like Skip Bayless. So Bayless is tweeting on Monday night, hey, we got to play this game. I told you guys yesterday, for folks that don't follow football closely, the importance of the game. The Bills in position to be the number one overall seed ahead of Kansas City in the AFC. What that means is they would host every playoff game in Orchard Park, Buffalo, which is a huge, huge advantage for the Bills. And the Bengals with a win, would have improved to 12-4 and four and pulled just one game back of Kansas City in their efforts to do the same thing. So the playoff implications, huge. But I made it very, very clear you can't play the game. Bayless said you got to play. Got to play the game. I know the guy's hurt, but this is a huge game. And I will tell you that the sports and news community did not react very well to Bayless's comments. In fact, a, f- a ton of former NFL players, coaches, asked for him to be fired on social media. That's where I start getting aggravated. Enough with the cancel culture stuff. Enough with fire him. Was his comment insensitive? Yes. The game is never more important than a man's life, ever. But have they played games before? Maybe not when folks went into cardiac arrest, but... 25 years ago, this happens. Do they play the game? 100% they do. They do. Um, Insensitive comment, yes. Stupid comment, yes. Should Skip Bayless know better? 
yes. But fire them? I mean, look, when you hear that, that cancel culture nonsense, as soon as somebody makes a mistake, and it's a mistake, fire him? I've had enough of that. How about you? Uh, it's just, he's, he's a buffoon, and he's and he's not likable, but it's got to stop firing people. Enough. God, what, what, what is that? So no one can make mistakes at work anymore. No. If you make a mistake at work. Fire him. If the garbage man goes down and goes and pick up, he's fired, 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 picks up the wrong uh, thing. That's a bad analogy. But. Here's what he said uh, yeah, on he his it. Twitter feed. He said, no doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game. But how? This late in the season? A game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, which suddenly seems so irrelevant. That's right, idiot. Of course it's irrelevant. The guy died on the field. He made his own point. It was irrelevant, but he was being sarcastic. All of a sudden, these games are irrelevant. They sure are when a guy is literally dead on the field. Well, it's irrelevant right now. It's totally irrelevant. They're going to make the game up somehow. No, they say they may not. Right, but it's... They say they... Which I don't understand how they don't do it. Because, again, you got Buffalo. They'll be the one seed over Kansas City. You can't just move these games to Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. So... They're saying they're not going to play this week. That's 100%. And there's a chance, a very good chance, they don't play this game at all. Well, Macedonia, Phil, how does that happen? Um, I, th- they, I think they just call it a no contest where it's kind of just like a draw. But then who do you give the top seed to? It, it, well, it's a draw. It's like, you know, you know. What do you mean a draw? That you got to play. If the AFC still, championship game is between the, the Bills and the Chiefs. They right? wouldn't have the same record because the Chiefs don't have a draw. The Chiefs are 13-3. and three. If yes. the Bills would have beaten Cincinnati Monday night, they would also be 13-3, and three, but they, owe the, they own the tiebreaker over Kansas it, City. It would be impossible for them to have the same record. You know, a, a draw, it's like the Giants. The Giants are, what? what are you talking about? Both teams could have ended the season at 14-3. and three. Yes, but if, if they make no, this it's, game— No, 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 it's— And a Buffalo, Buffalo would own the tiebreaker. So, therefore, they would get to host the AFC Championship game in Orchard Park. How do you make that decision without playing this game where to play that game? Uh, well, it, I mean, I don't know. I don't no. Well, that's the point. You must that's play, the point. You have to play the game. you got to play the game. All you do no, is they, push everything back. That's all you have to do. Well, they're saying they may not do that. Yeah, and you know why they're not going to do it? Because they don't want to lose money. It'd be a that's bad PR decision to, to, to be scheduled. I know, but well, again, you, the, the, to Skip Bayless's point, he's a moron, but... The AFC Championship game, the game before the Super Bowl, if you've got two teams with the same record and you're not sure where to play the game, how do you do that? How well, do you do it? No, they wouldn't have the same record. Well, but because Buffalo would be a half a game behind because yes. they canceled the game, which exactly. is unfair. That's right, unfair. That's right. It's, it's unfair, but it, it's... Now I got to talk to Phil Sims about no, no, this. No, no, no. You have yeah. to play that, Phil. You have to play You got to play the game, Phil. You got to play. I don't think they will. They'll figure it and out. especially, especially not if he dies. Well, this is, he's not going to die. This is why you must listen at 9.05 this morning because Phil Sims works with the NFL Today on CBS. And hopefully, he'll have more answers than we do because we're just not sure. Traffic and sports coming up next. But right now, this is very exciting. It's time for the Tunnel to Towers update. This is brand new. Starts with us on Sid and Friends right here in 2023. Frank Siller. My main man, Frank Siller, kicked off 2023 with astounding hope. Thanks to your generosity here, he explains why. We're really rang in the new year on a high note as I reflect on the hope we brought to our program recipients in the last year. Recipients like Joanne Stack. 
We paid the mortgage on her home and then surprised the Stack family with the renovations in honor of her husband and on Giving Tuesday. Joanne's husband, fire department, Lieutenant Stack, died in 2018 from 9-11 related pancreatic cancer. In the immediate aftermath of 9-11, Hero Stack searched for survivors at Ground Zero, then continued to work at the site for months to help bring closure to victims' families. We delivered 200 mortgage-free homes in the last year, and your listeners contributed to that. We raised about $1.2 million during our first holiday radiothon, thanks to the generosity of the great people who listen to 77 WABC. I am so grateful to you all. As the families who we helped, thank you for your kindness as well. God bless you, thank you, and Happy New Year. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Here's my guy Pete Morgan. Brings you Peerless Boilers. Check them out today. PeerlessBoilers.com. PavilionTankless.com. Cold weather on its way back. Nice today. Nearly 60. But back in the 30s in a couple of days, you need that Peerless Boiler. Once again, they make America's best boilers. With the latest in sports, here's my guy Justin Ellick. Well, thank you, Sidney. Just uh, local ice hockey action to get to from last night. But the Rangers and Islanders, they were in action. We'll start here with your hockey blue shirts. They beat the Carolina Hurricanes, I should say, at home by a score of 5-3 to three to snap the Canes' 11-game winning streak. Sid mentioned he was in attendance. Artemi Panarin, Keandre Miller, and Philip Hedl scored third-period goals, and Igor Shosturkin registered 20 saves in the first meeting between the two teams this season. The Blue Shirts currently sit in third place in the division, eight points behind Carolina, and just one point behind the second-place Devils. They'll visit the Canadians up north next in Montreal come tomorrow night. As for the Islanders, they were victorious as well. They piled on the Canucks in Vancouver to the tune of a 6-2 road victory. Matthew Barzell, he stayed rad, uh, red hot for the Isles, lighting the lamp for his fourth straight game on an absolute snipe to make it 3-1 New York late in the second Sorokin, he was nails in net as well for New York, clocking out with a good 24 saves in a scoreless third period to help solidify the blowout win. Islanders will continue the road trip come tomorrow night in Edmonton against the Oilers. And looking ahead to hockey action tonight, the Devils, they'll be out in Detroit taking on the Red Wings for a 7 p.m. faceoff. And on the hardwood, the Knicks, they'll welcome in the San Antonio Spurs at 7.30. And the Nets, they'll be out in Chicago take on the Bulls at 8 p.m. Try to extend that big winning streak of theirs. Here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Again, thanks to Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
happy birthday to the great Michael Stipe. This is R.E.M., one of my favorite stories ever. I used to really love Natalie Merchant and the 10,000 Maniacs many years ago, many years ago. My buddy Rich Shipman, who lives in New Jersey, but of course lives with us during the summers in White Lake Estates, he got a bunch of us tickets to see the 10,000 Maniacs at the Beacon Theater on the Upper West Side. And um, Natalie Merchant was up on stage performing Shiny Happy People, which, of course, is an R.E.M. song. And then who jumps out of the audience, sitting in the audience, it's like I was. None other than, oh, you guessed it, birthday boy Michael Stipe. And the two of them did Shiny Happy People together. And I, um, I was in such a state of euphoria, I almost forgot where I was, who I was. Did you imagine, Lou Rufino, how amazing that must have been? Well, I can tell you why you forgot where you were, and you just don't want to mention it. I was on drugs. A oh, lot of drugs. A lot of drugs. Yeah, just keep it secret. But, <laughs> but that was a heck of a show, so happy hey, birthday. Great song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this um, George Santos got sworn in yesterday. You know, I texted George. When George first won a couple years ago, he was on with me and Bernard, and they took the win away from the guy. And then when he won this time around, he was on with me again just a couple of weeks ago. I think he was on with John Katzmatidis last week when I was on vacation. So I texted George yesterday, and I said, listen, come on the show tomorrow. Congratulations. You're being sworn in today. And try to convince my audience that you're not this lying, thieving, horrible person that now both Democrats and Republicans think you are but he didn't get back to me so right now he is that person until he gets back to me also lester chang got sworn in yesterday the war hero who won in brooklyn they are trying to get him out saying that he doesn't live in brooklyn you know that story right tom sullivan queens war hero lester chang brooklyn war hero sullivan won but they're trying to give it to stacy amato lester chang won was sworn in but they're still trying to get him out of there and then you get a guy like Santos who wins and gets sworn in. But Lester Chang uh, was sworn in yesterday. I don't believe the fight is over yet, but uh, we'll keep an eye on that one for you. And talking about getting sworn in, I did a commercial about 30 minutes ago for Newsmax. And in the commercial, the read actually says, do you think that President Donald Trump should continue to run or just back out? I know a lot of you folks who love this show, love our station, are uh, idol worshipers for Donald Trump. I get it. Fine. God bless you. You want to do that? Good for you. But the truth is, most rational people, maybe not most, many rational people are starting to move away from Trump. We've been over this a million times. The policies are great, all great, but he's a mess. He's become at this point Almost a complete buffoon. Now, with that said, let me get it on record for the millionth time. I still think he's the best choice, and I would vote for Donald Trump if, in fact, the election was today. But for the better part of a month in November and December, he acted like a complete jackass. And he hurt himself, I believe. So Ron DeSantis gets sworn in as governor in Florida yesterday, and he says all the things that, in all fairness to Donald Trump, Trump actually laid out and practiced years ago. 
Part of the reason why Ron DeSantis looks so good this morning is because of Donald Trump. See, I'm a fair guy. I tell you, Trump is still the best candidate when you talk about Republican policy. I tell you that Ron DeSantis looks good because of Trump. But I also tell you that Donald Trump cannot act the way he does and do the things he does and win. You folks out there that are, you know, just so into him, you don't matter at this point. He's already got you. That is not enough to win the election. It's just not. So DeSantis is out there yesterday during his inauguration address talking about woke ideologies and Florida and the country. Let's play a couple of these, uh, Lewis. This is uh, Governor Ron DeSantis once again during his inauguration address, uh, address yesterday down in Florida talking about woke, wokeism, how he hates it. This, Lewis, is cut number 28. This bizarre but prevalent ideology that permeates these policy measures purports to act in the name of justice for the marginalized, but it frowns upon American institutions. It rejects merit and achievement, and it advocates identity essentialism. We reject this woke ideology. They do. In fact, it goes on to say that my state... Woke don't work here. This is Ron DeSantis, cut number 29. We seek normalcy, not philosophical lunacy. We will not allow reality, facts, and truth to become optional. We will never surrender to the woke mob. Florida is where woke goes to die. Florida is where woke goes to die. Good stuff, Ron DeSantis. Me personally, if I was going to vote in that Newsmax poll, and I won't, but if I was, I want Donald Trump to continue to run because two reasons, really. A, I still think he's the best candidate, and more importantly, he will bring out the best in the rest of the Republicans, including Ron DeSantis. A lot to do today, folks. Got to get to this Kevin McCarthy audio, all these great guests stopping by, Brian Kilmeade, Joseph Abood, Peter King, Ebony K. Williams, Phil Sims, all on this Wednesday show today. Sitting friends in the morning, number one in New York and number one in your hearts. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
One of the reasons why this Kevin McCarthy story is so ugly for folks like me, Republicans. Yes, I'm uh, becoming friendly with the mayor, Eric Adams. He's a... Says he's an independent. He's not really a Democrat. I'm a Republican. It's okay for Republicans to be friendly with Democrats, independents, all of that. In fact, the more uh, we do of that, the better off we're going to be. You know, I find it interesting that a portion of this audience gets angry when, in fact, I bring on Democrats or spend time with other folks, and they constantly, constantly bring up the Imish name. And Bernie. Well, Bernie became a psycho really late in his life. I worked with Bernard for 20-plus years. So did Lou Rufino. And he was always bright and strong-willed, but really wasn't that knock-head-on-the-wall Republican, blah, blah, blah. I mean, the first time I worked with Bernard, it was all laughs. It was all laughs. I mean, that's all we did was was cause trouble in the Imus show and laugh. And we had political opinions. Bernie certainly did, but he became that real political animal at the end of his career, the end of his life, really. That wasn't Bernard. And Imus, Imus was, he couldn't care less. He couldn't care less. He would tell you one morning Donald Trump could be the greatest president ever, and the next morning say, that fat, blubber-titty bastard, get him out. So when you folks start to bring up, well, you know, Sid, this is a new show. The Imus show is over. Imus was not a Republican, you morons. He couldn't care less. No, he wasn't. No. He hung out with more Democrats than anybody you know. Mike Lupica was his best friend. There's nobody more lived than Mike Lupica. So what are you folks talking about? I am entirely more Republican and conservative than Imus. And again, Bernard, you don't, you don't know Bernard. You don't know him like I did or Lou did for 30 years. What you heard here on WABC, that was not the Bernie we knew for a long time. Is that fair to say? I, you, the good characterization. In fact, well, when you started well running the board for the show, you actually said to me, who's this guy? <laughs> what happened? Yeah, just, he was pretty, uh, he, he got very rigid in uh, what he was doing. Yeah, and, and he um, became just this political animal. That was but, starting to happen at the end of the last place we were in, too. The last the days of Imus, I think. A well, little bit. But that's why Imus went to Bernard less and less and went to me. Wanted to talk more about his career, his relationship with his coworkers, with Howard Stern, with sports. The Bernie briefings, they started going away at the end, of, if you're, you're going to be honest. And remember correctly, they started going away because Imus, he had no patience for that. He didn't want to hear, I love this guy because he's Republican. Imus couldn't stand that. Yeah, he wanted some, uh, we wanted more laughs, I think. Yes. That's what he was that's all he so wanted was that. laughs. And I miss, I mean, he had Dodd on, he had Biden on, he had Lieberman on, he had Clinton on. He, he didn't care. He did not care. He was at MSNBC for years. Yes, he went to Fox Business, but he spent more time making fun of Republican commentators than actually lauding them. Is that not fair to say? Uh, all correct accurate yeah. characterization. So what are you I folks talking about? What what show were you listening to that I miss and Bernie with this and now Sid's taking the show in a different direction? It's just not true. Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> That's an ESPN feature. Come on, man. Come on, man. Skip Bayless, wake up. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on. We got to hit this uh, Kevin McCarthy stuff. We really do. It's become Major, he loses again the third time already. This poor guy, and I was about to say at the top of this conversation, 
what's ugly about it is Republicans fighting with Republicans. We got to stop that. We got to stop that. Figure this thing out one way or the other. But to have Republicans stabbing McCarthy in the back, and I know the party has gotten a lot like that over the years. Folks like Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, Mitt Romney, Murkowski, Collins. These are horrible people. Horrible. But it's got to stop. you got to figure this thing out. So, coming up, Bill O'Reilly's morning message. Brian Kilmeade. Fashion designer Joseph Abood live in studio. The great congressman Peter King. Star of Real Housewives of New York and former WABC Midday Show host Ebony K. Williams and the all-time giant great and NFL Today host Phil Sims. all coming up in the next three hours. Big shout-out to Keith Smolin and the folks on the Sid and Friends Facebook website. We'll come back with our number two of the Wednesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning, only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's kick off even by lighting up. Oi! From my friends. The star of the show. Oi! Oi! I spoke to a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. Oi! This Oi! is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. 77 WABC. Take me now, baby, here as I am. Pull me close and try and understand. Desire is hunger, is the fire I breathe. Love is a banquet on which we feed. I love this version. This is Natalie Merchant and the 10,000 Maniacs, Because the Night, a song that Patti Smith made famous but was written by the great Bruce Springsteen. In fact, uh, Howard Stern asked Bruce a month and a half ago, whenever that epic interview was, how do you feel about Manfred Mann getting the credit for Blinded by the Light or Patti Smith getting credit for this song, Because the Night? Or a host of other songs that he wrote, which other people made famous. And he was like, uh, it's all good, man. It's all good, man. I don't believe him, but he did say that. Yeah, I wrote a lot of songs, Howard, you know, and they went, they took them out of my hands and they went down the hall. <laughs> what was that uh, engineer's name that took, that was working with, uh, I just forgot the guy. With guy's Stern? Name. Scott yeah, Salem? No no no, 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 no. That worked with uh, Springsteen. Oh, and uh, he was working in the place, and he, he got stuck behind the board yeah. when he was a kid. Oh. Jeez, I can't remember. I'm blanking on his name. It'll it'll come to me. But you, he you know, was, and, and they said, do you, do, "Do you know what you're doing?" Okay, sit here. You're going to work with Bruce. Oh my but god! But down the, and down the hall, Patty Smith was also there. Oh no, kidding! Jer- yeah, that's how this thing. And then they were in the car, and uh, he gave her the song at that. I got to look up his name. 
It's talking about uh, Howard Stern. Yeah, Howard Stern has this group, and they're called the Whack Packers. And they all have some type of mental, in most cases, mental, if not physical, handicap. The most famous Whack Packer of all is a guy named Beetlejuice. But there's a ton of them. Jeff the Drunk. There's, um, well, I forgot all their names. It doesn't matter. But uh, the most famous of all outside of Beetlejuice was a guy named Elephant Boy, <laughs> Fred Schreiber. And believe it or not, when I was down in Florida hosting the Sid Rosenberg show in Pompano Beach, circa 2013, Freddie, a.k.a. Elephant Boy, became a very good friend. He actually deserted the Howard Stern show and became a daily listener of my show. So we hosted the Sid Rosenberg show two-year anniversary when I was at 640 Sports at the Hot Rock Hotel and Casino in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And my boss at the time was a guy named Steve Lappa, who now is a big shot at Newsmax, I guess. And uh, we rented out the, the Hot Rock. Jim Allen did me a, a huge favor. And we had 500 people show up at this event. It was huge. Live band, food, music. For the second anniversary show, Lawrence Taylor came. A bunch of doubt. Dan Marino came. It was packed. And, and one of the co-hosts, alongside with my guys on the show, their names were Steve Zemak and Eric Langella, but on the show with us too, was Elephant Boy. We flew him down to Florida. He co-hosted the event and ended up getting stoned in Z-Mac's hotel room in Fort Lauderdale and barely made it back. And from that time on, he listened to me every morning instead of Howard. And, in fact, was in studio more than once with me, Bernie, and Jill at the old address at Penn Plaza. He became very close. And he died last month. I found that out yesterday from um, Marianne from Brooklyn. And it broke my heart. He was such a sweet guy. So rest in peace, elephant boy, dead at the age of, I don't know. Oh, that's a sad story. Yeah, yeah wow. he's, he's dead. Is that's that it. what it would say on the grave? I guess I don't know. He's a whack packer, so uh, he didn't get respect he deserved from Stern. But I, I took was, care of him. I was going to make a bad joke. Like, what do you, I guess you stopped filling out resumes after you've been <laughs> elephant boy on Howard Stern. You know, I guess, That yeah. just goes at the top. No, he actually had a real job, though. He had a city job in Queens. I don't know if it was for Social Security. or He had a real official city job somewhere in Queens. Well, most people before, look at Joe Benigno, look at all the, yeah, look yeah. at people, look at, they've had. Uh, regular jobs. Regular jobs. Joe Jimmy, Benigno worked, I think, in like a supermarket right, or something. He was a, Jimmy Iovine is the guy. Oh, Jimmy Iovine is the best of all. Yeah. Yes. He, uh, he, he does all of U2 stuff, too, as, as yes. well. Yeah. yeah. It was enormous. 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 So uh, yesterday, uh, again, Kevin McCarthy voted down as the House Speaker. Now, three times, this guy can't get to 218 votes. He claims he's close. But then again, the media claims the splinter is becoming bigger and bigger inside the Republican Party every day, which is embarrassing for the GOP. It's just embarrassing. You know, the the fighting back and forth, whenever Trump gets involved, that gets nasty. And it'll get nastier once once we get closer to the... Presidential election, still now just 22 months away. But this is a real embarrassment, I think, for the Republicans. I really do. So McCarthy, he's, uh, he's talking tough. He's like, I'm not going anywhere. F you guys. I'm going to get these votes. I'm going to make it happen. Kevin McCarthy. And that may or may not be true. It doesn't look like it's going to be true. He's over three. 
But uh, here it is. Here's the audio. Yesterday's House of Representatives. Once again, the GOP took control of that after the win, the midterms back in November. But an ugly process here as there is no speaker. And the Democrat, Hakeem Jeffries, is coming closer to being the speaker than McCarthy, even though the GOP has the slim majority in the House. Here's what it sounded like yesterday. Lewis, this is cut number one. No person having received the majority of the whole number of votes cast by surname, a speaker has not been elected. For what purpose does the gentleman from Oklahoma rise? I move to adjourn until noon tomorrow. The question is on the motion. All those in favor say aye. Aye. All those opposed, no. The ayes have it. The motion is adopted. The House stands adjourned until noon tomorrow. All right, so once again, for the third time, three times now, Kevin McCarthy does not get the speaker position. Here was McCarthy talking to the press gaggle, saying, I'm here to stay. Lou Rufino, this is Kevin McCarthy, cut number two. Are you going to stay in the race, Leader McCarthy? You're not yes. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Then he uh, goes on to talk more about the other members of the House. Kevin McCarthy Lewis, cut number three. We have worked for a long time. I've been leader for four years. I came into this position, and we had less than 200 members. We are now sitting in the majority. We put forth to the American public a commitment to America. There's times we're going to have to argue with our own members if they're looking at for only positions for themselves, not for the country. For the last two months, we worked together as a whole conference to develop rules that empower all members. But we're not empowering certain members over others. Kevin McCarthy goes on to talk about how important this is for the country, Lewis, Kevin McCarthy, cut number four. And I will always fight to put the American people first, not a few individuals that want something for themselves. So we may have a battle on the floor, but the battle is for the conference and the country, and that's fine with me. So one of the guys that really doesn't like Kevin McCarthy is Republican Matt Gates out of Florida. You remember him about uh, two years ago? He was mentioned in this underage sex scandal and... Came on Tucker Carlson. Everybody was like, oh, my God. And, well, as it turns out, there were no legs. And Matt Gates is still in Florida and still a senator. But he doesn't like Kevin McCarthy very much. In fact, he talked yesterday. There's very little difference between McCarthy and Nancy Pelosi. Lewis, Matt Gates, cut number six. We would prefer to have a unity of purpose, but we will not continue to allow the uniparty to run this town without a fight. There's very little difference between Nancy Pelosi and her California (laughs) delegation mate that seeks the gavel. And we want to change because this town is broken. And this is a person who has acknowledged in Mr. McCarthy that the town is broken. And he has been a part of that process for many years as a member of the leadership. Matt Gates out of Florida. Very little difference between Pelosi and McCarthy. In fact, Gates even said, I'll put Jeffries in there. I'll put the... You know, hypnotized Big E singing Brooklyn Democrat, Hakeem Jeffries in there before Kevin McCarthy. And McCarthy talked about that. This, Lewis, is Kevin McCarthy, cut number five. 
Last night I was presented the only way to have 218 votes if I provided certain members with certain positions, certain gavels, to take over the church committee, to have certain budgets. And they even came to the position where one, Matt Gates said, I don't care if we go to plurality and we elect Hakeem Jeffries and it hurts the new frontline members not to get reelected. Well, that's not about America. And I will always fight to put the American people first, not a few individuals that want something for themselves. Now, Marjorie Taylor Greene agreeing with Kevin McCarthy, saying it's really embarrassing that some of these Freedom Caucus members want something in exchange. This, Lewis, is Marjorie Taylor Greene, cut number 10. I haven't asked for one thing for, my, for myself, and I'm the only Republican that has zero committees. So you would think I would be the one in there asking for something, but I haven't done that. But I find out that it's my uh, Freedom Caucus colleagues and my supposed friends that went and did that, and they asked nothing for me. Nothing. That's what I found out in there. I'm furious. <laughs> so then here's, uh, here's the hot gun-toting congresswoman out of Colorado. I'm going to like this lady, Lauren Boebert. She wants McCarthy to get in, but she's one of these folks, like Gates and these other members, looking for him to meet their quote-unquote demands. This is gun-toting Lauren Boebert. Cut number 16. Kevin McCarthy knows exactly what we are asking for, what we're requesting, and what we need to actually implement the changes that the American people have been promised. Um, I actually have been working for weeks and even months um, to get these never Kevins over to a vote for Kevin. And yesterday, I was able to walk into his office with uh, two other colleagues and present to him 218 votes and explain to him, the gavel is yours on the first ballot if you accept these terms that allow us to actually govern, that secure our southern border, that put a bill on the floor for term limits, that um, allows us to reduce federal spending with an amendment and makes that amendment in order on the House floor. These are just some of the few changes that we need to see. Bob Good actually took it a step further, said, hey, Kevin, you ain't getting 218. It's time to go home, brother. This is Bob Good, cut number 11. For the good of the country, the good of the Congress, and the good of the Republican conference, he ought to pull out. This shouldn't be about ambition or pride or selfishness. It's not about any one person. It's about who can get the 218 votes. That's clearly not Kevin McCarthy. He'll be defeated on the first ballot by some 10 or 15 Republicans. And then I think you're going to see uh, him lose votes increasingly if he stays in on the second or subsequent ballots as others begin to gain support that can get us to 218. And Chip Roy took it a step further by actually nominating... Somebody else. Lewis, Chip Roy, cut number 15. Ladies and gentlemen, I am asking for us to come together and figure out how to solve these problems. And to do that, I'm going to do what I did my very first act as a member of Congress or as a congressman-elect and nominate Jim Jordan for speaker. Oh, my boy. Ohio. Now, Jim has said he doesn't want that nomination, and Jim has been down here nominating Kevin, and I respect that. And again, I have no personal animus towards Kevin. And I've worked for the last two months to try to figure out how to get the rules to make this place better, and we've made progress. But we do not have the tools or the leadership yet to stop the swamp from rolling over the American people. Jim has been doing it. He has a track record of doing it. And for those reasons, I am nominating Jim Jordan from Ohio for Speaker of the House of Representatives. Well, there you have it, folks. Chip Roy, Jim Jordan, who's been on this show with me many times over the last couple of months out of Ohio. 
He'd like to see Jim get that position. We're going to talk more about this with Brian Kilmeade, who's on television as we speak on Fox and Friends right now. They are covering this Kevin McCarthy story. Not as much as the Dems. I will tell you that both MSNBC and CNN are locked in this morning because it's an embarrassing moment for the Republicans. And, you know, Democrats, they love that stuff. So MSNBC and CNN all over this Kevin McCarthy story all morning long. We'll talk to Brian Kilmeade after Bill O'Reilly's morning message coming up this hour. Then in the 8 o'clock hour, designer Joseph Abood live in studio. Lydia reports and the great Peter King. And in the 9 o'clock hour, how about this? Former giant great Bill Sims, Ebony K. Williams, and day two of Sid's Take. Your chance at cash and prizes, thanks to our dear friend Pete Morgan and the fine folks at Peerless Boilers. Hump Day Wednesday with me, Sid, coming right back. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Wednesday, the Idaho College murders again point out how evil is on the rise in America. That is because of new progressive leadership that does not want to punish criminals, but mostly because the USA is becoming a very secular country. Now, remember, the Constitution is based on Judeo-Christian philosophy. In the rotunda of the Supreme Court in Washington, D.C., on display is a sculpture of the Ten Commandments. Why? Because our laws and our freedoms are based upon Judeo-Christian philosophy, not religion, philosophy. And when that philosophy diminishes, particularly when it comes to good and evil, then evil acts rise. And we're seeing it almost every week in the news. Mass murders of children at schools. Incredible crime in the inner cities by drug gangs. And now this Idaho situation where it looks like a young man, for no reason, went in and brutally stabbed four college students to death. Again, for no reason. This is evil. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at at info at GobbleLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends.
Billy Joel or Elena. Hump day Wednesday. DeMar Hamlin remains in critical condition. Turns out that his heart stopped again yesterday. So, um, medically, and Dr. Maria Ryan told us about this yesterday, and Dr. Mark Siegel, this poor kid's died twice already. So he's not out of the woods yet. I am reading that he is in critical condition, but he is breathing on his own now. But he has now been revitalized twice. Is that right? Twice now? DeMar Hamlin. Justin Ellick, what is the latest with his Buffalo Bills defensive back? Uh, well, as far as I know, so we have that cut from his Resuscitated uncle. twice, I should say. Yeah, I'm sorry. so we have that cut from, uh, we have that audio cut from his uncle. Yeah, um, let's do that. He was on uh, Good Morning America yesterday, I guess. His uncle is a guy named Dorian Glenn, and he talked specifically about Hamlin and what a tough guy he is. Let's go to that. Courtesy yesterday of uh, Channel 7 here in New York, Dorian Glenn on DeMar Hamlin's condition. Lewis, this is cut number 25. Right now they got him on a ventilator, so they're trying to get him to breathe on his own. Um, so we're just kind of taking it day by day. Um, still in the ICU. Um, they have him sedated. So um, just continue to um, administer the medical treatment that they've been doing. I'm really, really thankful um, for the staff, the medical staff that's been working with them. Um, they've been truly awesome and helping him with his recovery. You know, every time somebody gets shot, we have to have that ridiculous gun control conversation. When I say ridiculous, I'm all for it. I'm just telling you that the stricter the gun laws are, i.e. New York, Chicago, the more shootings there are. It doesn't, it doesn't stop it, but that's fine. You want to make them as strict as you want because all you're really going to do is make it harder for law-abiding citizens to get guns, which makes no sense. But every time there's a shooting, we go to that. Every time there's a serious NFL injury, we go to, is it time to stop playing football? You know, um, one of the guys I really like, got to know very well over the years, Hall of Fame middle linebacker for the New York football giants, the great number 53, Harry Carson, was just on CNN with Don Lemon and these other ladies. And they had that, that conversation, what is the fate of football because Hamlin's injury was so severe. And I hate that conversation. I really do. I mean, they, they made these helmets. Thank God today players don't get hurt nearly as much. But look, you've got very, very, very big, very, very, very strong men moving at speeds, which seems unbelievable for their size. It's a violent game. It's a violent game. It's not for everybody. But every time somebody gets hurt, we have these conversations about the fate of football. Harry Carson's teammate on those great giant teams, which included Super Bowl wins over Denver in 1986 and Buffalo in 1990 quarterback Phil Simms will join me coming up at 9.05 this morning. I did mention Joy Taylor earlier also. She's the sister of Mammy Dolphin Hall of Famer Jason Taylor. And I gave Joy Taylor her first ever shot on radio back on 560 WQAM in Miami. And I told you earlier, she has now, after sitting in between that moron Skip Bayless, who's come under fire for tweeting, hey, play the game a couple of nights ago while this kid was dying on the field. In between Bayless and Sharp, she moved out to sit alongside the great Colin Coward Daly. But I don't even know this. She's not even on the show anymore. Now she's got her own show. I know Pete Morgan texted me this earlier. A bunch of others texted it as well. But she's got her own show on Fox Sports. It's called Speak. She does still sub for Colin on occasion. And a couple of months ago... With Colin, I guess they announced she was leaving, and here it is. Colin Coward 
and my friend Joy Taylor, courtesy of Fox Sports. I guess the day that Joy Taylor said goodbye. Joy Taylor and I worked together for a long time. We both have a background in radio, and she is now, I'm just going to tell you right now, get this out of the way, she is now going to be on Speak. Speak for Yourself has been retitled, and Joy is going to be one of the stars of it with uh, Emmanuel Acho. So a lot of times Joy and I have some information, but it, you know, it's kind of uh, proprietary for the company. So Joy and I, have, uh, we knew that she was moving on to a show. So I just want to say, first of all, thank you. This has been a, a wonderful five-year full of emotion and laughs and it was a uh and it for some reason i didn't know if it when you bring somebody onto the show i talk too much so i didn't know if it would work so when you <laughs> first came onto the show did you think it would be as much fun because i didn't know well we we've been working together for almost six and a half years now because when time. i first came to the network i would fill in right with you and officially we've been doing the show full-time about three years or a little over three years yeah. And what we were when we first started together to what we've become now is it's, it's a completely different show. It's right. evolved so much. I didn't know what to expect, but I will say something that changed for me, uh, maybe the first week of the show, it might have been the first day I was on the show, you actually told me to talk more. You're like, just when, when you go, Opinions. just go, give your opinion, which is what I've you know, gotten to this business to do is to right. give my opinion. Well, good luck uh, to Joy Taylor. She's been on that show for months. I didn't realize it, but... Uh, much like Colin Coward, I talk a lot, too. That's why a co-host is not a good idea for me. But uh, I've already got five of them anyway every day, if not ten, which includes Brian Kilmeade. He's coming up next. Joseph Abood coming up at 8.05. Lydia Serrani coming up at 8.25. Peter King coming up at 8.40. Phil Sims coming up at 9.05. Ebony K. Williams coming up at 9.30. What else could you possibly want? in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Back here on Sid and Friends in the Morning on this beautiful Wednesday, January the 4th of 2023. Up after me every morning. Well, this guy does a tremendous job. 10 a.m. every weekday on WABC. Also catch him Fox and Friends every weekday morning. And of course, his own great show, which I've been on a bunch of times. I love it. One Nation on Fox News. He's the very talented Brian Kilmeade. Brian, Happy New Year, buddy. Welcome back. Uh, great to have me on. I'm, I'm thrilled to be on, uh, Sid. I heard your big interview yesterday with the mayor. He starts the new year right, going on the number one show uh, in New York City to give his side of the story with his new buddy. I mean, Sid, do you have room for other friends at this point? <laughs> you know, or, if, or is it every day before you even answer your other friends, it's check your phone, see if you got a text from the mayor, and see if he wants to hang out. It's funny because you that say means, that. Even it, though you're a morning show guy, you got to put on the suit, and you got to go out with the mayor, who loves to, I guess, wine and dine. Well, it's funny you say that, because later on tonight, I'm not even kidding, uh, me and my beautiful wife, Danielle, we are meeting the mayor on 34th Street and 8th Avenue and handing out food to the homeless Mayor Adams and Sid Rosenberg together tonight handing out food to the homeless. So right if you make that comment, I am hanging out with the mayor tonight. But what's funny is I take a lot of flack from the ABC audience. You know, it's a conservative audience. They don't like Democrats. They don't, like, they don't really like Eric Adams, to be honest. And every time I bring this guy on, I end up in the New York Post, CBS News, Fox News, because when the mayor speaks... That's big news. And that's what these morons don't understand is I'm not going to give up the opportunity to speak to the guy that runs this city when, in fact, he makes bold statements like he did yesterday. You get that, right? Sid, you absolutely your job 
is to get all sides, not people that agree with you. Plus, he's replacing Mayor de Blasio. He is already, I think, 85% better than what we had for eight years. And your job is is not to have people say things that the audience agrees with. It's to find out what the man or woman in charge is doing, whether it's the governor or mayor, and then in a polite, respectful way for people who have respect for the position, which you and I both do. I don't care who serves in it. It's a, it's a rich history in America's past, New York City, the most valuable city in the world. It's, it's uh, lauded. Your job is to expose what's happening. And you know what? He obviously respects your opinion. And you could have a say in how this city runs, you also have your ear to the ground about what is bothering people about how it's not running or how much better it could be. With that said, thank you very much for that, Brian. What did you think about his comments yesterday about the migrants and mentioning a city like Denver, Colorado? Well, it's a it's a Democratic mayor, Jared Polis, and people say that if Biden doesn't run, Polis might because he seems to be somewhat moderate. I don't go into Colorado politics specifically, but what now they're saying is when Texas sends the illegal immigrants to Colorado, they say, yeah, this is just a stop point. Then we're going to send them to the city. They don't want to stay here. Really? You got this big, empty state. Scenic, they could, I don't know, work the ski resorts. Uh, They could go into town and uh, maybe get a job. What's wrong with their homeless shelters? Why can't they feel the pinch that we are feeling in New York? So if they're going to bust this Democratic governor, will, and by the way, El Paso, a Democratic mayor, will bust to Colorado and then come to New York, who say, according to your mayor, our mayor, 30,000 illegals are here. Now, if the mayor is bold enough to take on the bail reform, which he is, why not take on the sanctuary city status and say, listen, I understand you got a big heart. But it's not in the best interest of the people you serve to be a magnet to illegal immigrants and stop cops from cracking down on illegals in our midst. If you are giving 60 percent of your look at your paycheck, Sid, 60 percent of your money goes to state, city and federal taxes, 60 percent. Wouldn't you feel better knowing it was going to the people of New York, the children of New York, the teachers, the uh, the infrastructure here? You can't just support all these other country citizens who decide America is better than their country. So I think if the mayor really wants to show a lot of courage, I think he says, I'm, I got to challenge the sanctuary status. It's not in the best interest to put me in office. This is Brian Kilmeade, 10 a.m. every weekday morning, right after me here on WABC, Fox and Friends and One Nation on Fox News. Uh, Brian, let's move from a local scene to a national scene, this Kevin McCarthy mess. Another vote yesterday. Kevin, no closer to getting that speaker position. Your thoughts? I think the Republicans are doing a very, very bad job here. Your thoughts on Kevin McCarthy? You know, I watched Tucker last night say it's democracy in action. You know, uh, yeah, a little bit. That's just not the way it's done. Not when your own team. I mean, can you imagine finding out at the end of preseason, uh, there's a big fight in the jet locker room over the who's going to be the captain. Really? I thought you're supposed to be playing the Dolphins and Patriots. <laughs> you're not supposed to be fighting over who's the captain of the Jets. So the question is, how could you be having this this family fight in public? How could you have not have worked this out in the past? And my other challenge is, I don't see the problem. I'm looking at these people who are challenging McCarthy and say, well, we don't like the establishment. Things got to change. Well, in what way? Well, we want to get all Freedom Caucus members in key positions in uh, committees. Really? Why? Because you're holding out? Are you more important than moderates or extreme conservatives? I don't know. Jim Jordan seems to get along. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene seems to be okay. But Lauren Burbert and Matt Morbert and Matt Gates have to get what they want. So 
to me, it is childish. Nobody's talking about us. What about what we want? Well, Chip Roy weighs in and says, hey, you know what? There's been too much spending, and he's been part of leadership. He's had no power. He's whipping leader. He's whipping votes for Paul Ryan. He's in the minority. He's outgunned by Nancy Pelosi, who keeps her caucus in order. How are you blaming him for $30 trillion in debt? Would you talk to him about it, the support you need for, okay, if you raise the debt ceiling, we want to have the ability to have a five point, at a five point, with a five vote margin, be able to oust you, like they did with Boehner. You know what, you know what uh, McCarthy said? Okay, you got it. Right. You know what right. they said? Okay, we got something else to ask for. Really? You're not asking this of Hakeem Jeffries. You're asking this of your own, of your own guy, right? Kevin right. McCarthy. <laughs> and McCarthy did a bad move, Sid. Before the before this whole meeting, before the first vote, he starts yelling at people, saying, "I'm not giving in anymore. Vote for me. I deserve it." Not the best tactic. No, it's not. Very uh, Donald Trumpish, if you will. And quickly, with uh, two more stories to get to, talking about President Trump. He had a brutal month, brutal, starting with allowing Kanye. Forget about the other guy, Kanye to come to his dinner table at Mar-a-Lago and ending with that ridiculous trading card exposition. But he's been very quiet over the last couple of weeks, Christmas and New Year's. And that's a good thing, I think, for Donald Trump. Hopefully he shuts up more and starts to really focus on 2024, which, by the way, Brian Kilmeade is only 22 months away. Yeah, I mean, uh, we watched DeSantis give this really good speech yesterday and hit all the hot issues that really Donald Trump laid out. As Michael Goodwin said on the show yesterday, everything that Donald Trump has laid out is the agenda of the Republican Party. They just don't seem to want Trump to give it. And I thought Trump made out some good point over the weekend. He said when when the when the uh, when the dog caught the car, or I think that's the way the phrase goes, and it was Roe v. Wade is overturned. The Republicans had no message; they just avoided it. That is why they did not have the red wave. He said, "Don't blame me." It is a good point because and he says by coming out and saying no exceptions, you turned off a whole constituency and a huge gender uh, more than anyone thought. Don't blame me. But even if you don't like Dr. Oz, you thought Herschel Walker was bad and Mastriano was a joke, I don't care what you think, that is a good point. But what I have not seen from Donald Trump is any type of overtures to win over suburban women, any type of overtures to win over independence, uh, any type of overtures to show how you can expand the base. That's why all eyes were on DeSantis, and I think a lot of money's flowing his way. He's taking out Facebook ads for a national audience. I thought that speech was directed at a national audience yesterday. I also think Youngkin's getting uh, primed up. I got a, a big uh, bunch of emails from Pompeo. So I think this is going to be great for us. Uh, nationally, you know, and keep an eye on your guy. If Mayor Adams starts making progress, gets a hold, uh, gets a hold of crime in New York City and decides he wants to go, I think the Biden machine would support him if Biden doesn't go forward. And I think there's about an 80 percent chance he does. But if not, I look for the mayor Suarez of Miami, who, you know, and I look for the mayor who you also know in New York City to really consider it if these openings happen. 60 seconds to go. You and I are big uh, sports guys, almost worked together doing sports back in 1997. Everybody knows that story. Uh, This injury to DeMar Hamlin, terrifying Bills and Bengals Monday night. We've covered it now for the better part of a day plus. Skip Bayless, a guy I know very, very well, who works alongside Shannon Sharp on Fox. He does that silly back-and-forth show like Stephen A. Smith did for many years with Max Kellerman. He comes out and says, hey, listen, 
Sorry about the guy, but we got to play the game. you got to play the game. It's an important game. And he is getting killed by everybody. Now, I said the same thing. Look, this is an important game, but you cannot play that game tonight. That's a difference from what I said and Skip Bayless said. Bayless sounded really insensitive, but he's getting killed. You think what he said is worthy of all that criticism? He apologized, too. So, obviously, it's true. And the thing is, as you know, we can't even say this thing's in our rearview mirror as he looks to recover. He's only got 50% of his lung capacity back. He's still in basically an induced coma, according to the family. So he's still holding on in critical condition. And the doctors tell uh, us, you know, that, that the longer he's in this, uh, when they try to pull him out, if he doesn't pull out quick, that means there's significant damage done. And the fact is, it came in light that he stopped breathing again or went into cardiac arrest again as he got to the hospital. So it's real serious. So for him to come out and act like it's just another episode of his show is crazy. But what he's going on, and he has more experience than I ever will, what he's going on, uh, Sid, is that in the past when people have these, the Daryl Stingleys of the world, the Mike Gutleys of the world, when they have these horrific injuries, they continue to play or they go back and finish it. And he just thought that there was going to be something like that. And then when it came realized that this is no, this is something we have not seen before, he walked it back. I, I mean, I have tr- I know he's always looking for the third rail because he's, there's no bad publicity. But in this case, there's bad publicity. <laughs> yeah, so awful. <laughs> I think he made a bad, big mistake. Agreed. Hey, listen, you were a major part of the late success I had in 2022. I look for big things from you, Brian Kilmeade, on this show in 2023. So happy new year. Continued success at WABC and Fox News. You're the man. Thank you so much. And it's great what you're doing with the mayor today. Uh, hopefully you're going to roll at least some iPhone video so we can roll it. Thanks so much, Sid. <laughs> All right, BK. Take care. There he is, folks. Does a great job after me every weekday morning here on Talk Radio 77 WABC at 10. One of the stars on Fox and Friends and his own show. What a great show. One Nation Saturday nights on Fox News. He is Brian Kilmeade. Short break. Lots more to do, including Congressman Peter King and former giant great now NFL Today star Phil Sims. All that on this Wednesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning, only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Oh, it's a good tune, bro. I wonder, 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 wonder. 7.55 on your hump day Wednesday morning. Brian Kilmeade was just great. And we got a nice one of guests coming up. Famous fashion designer, one of my dearest friends for 25 years. The very handsome Joseph Abood, live in studio coming up. Lydia reports. Peter King, the great congressman. Phil Sims, former giant great at quarterback, now one of the stars on the NFL Today on CBS. And Ebony K. Williams, who used to work here. She worked with uh, Curtis Sliwa on the Midday Show. Fox News star and uh, the lady responsible all by herself for literally bringing down the whole Real Housewives of New York franchise. We'll talk to Ebony coming up at 9.30. Sid's take coming up at 9.40. Your chance at cash and prizes. So we're at the Ranger game last night. 
me, Danielle, and Gabe. And uh, they do a really good job with the music and, you know, the um, the score, the, I guess the, um, is it the scoreboard, I guess, in the middle of the ice and cameras all over the stands and people having a great time, kids jumping up and down in their Ranger jerseys. And at one point, they start showing New York City celebrities. It actually says on the scoreboard, New York City celebrities. So Gabe looks over and goes, Daddy, you're going to be on, right? I go, I, I don't know. No one, I don't think anybody knows I'm here. I mean, I mean, I should be. I'm in New York Post today, page eight. I'm hosting the number one morning show in New York, News Talk. I should be, but I don't know, Gabe. I don't know. So the first person they show is a lady named Sarah Hughes, I believe. And she won the Olympic gold in figure skating. Does that sound right to you, Macedonia, Bill? Uh, beats me. So, right off the bat, you don't even know who she is. I'm a big fan of hers. Right. I, I guarantee you that a ton of people in that Ranger audience didn't know who she was last night. I'll even bet more people know who I am than she is. But she won Olympic gold, and I talk about Donald Trump. So I'm no good. So the next person comes up, and I go, here we go, Gabe. Here we wait. go. <laughs> now I'm really suspense. You want to know how bad this is? <laughs> I don't even know the name of the person. I couldn't even tell you right now the second person they showed. That's how not famous this celebrity New Yorker was. Damn. Make a long story short, there was no Sid Rosenberg. Wow. They were Gabe here. was all upset. Wow. Gabe is like, see, I told you, Dad, you're not really a star. You're not really, you're not really a, you're, you're like a quasi-star. I go, Gabe, you're sitting section 108 in the wheelchair section, <laughs> right by the ice, by center ice. Be nice to your father. But, Daddy, they just had two people on the scoreboard. I've never heard of them. What about you? Now roll over and get me a hot dog. Make <laughs> <laughs> it look good. Another embarrassing father-son moment <laughs> for Sid Rosenberg at Madison Square Garden. All right, here we go. A run of five tremendous guests as only we can do it. Sid and friends in the morning on a Wednesday here in New York City. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC.
8.05 on your New York City Wednesday morning. Sun coming out. Temperatures today expected to be around 60. Hard to believe my house has been demolished because of frozen pipes. But that's where we were just two weeks ago now. Today is almost a beach day. This is uh, hour number three. It's a big hour. Congressman Peter King is always great on a Wednesday. He'll be here at 8.40. Lydia Serrani, Lydia Reports, coming up at 825. Don't forget, former New York football giant, great quarterback, Super Bowl winner, now one of the stars on the CBS Today, on NFL Today, I should say. Phil Sims will be here at 905. And Ebony K. Williams, Real Housewives of New York City, used to work alongside Curtis Sliwa at this station. She'll be on at 930. But joining me live in studio right now is a man I've loved for the better part of 20-plus years, in my opinion, He's the greatest men's fashion designer ever, was a staple on the Imus in the Morning Show, has been on with me and Bernie and me specifically for many, many, many years, and um, even on his own show here on Saturdays on WABC. He's the very handsome <laughs> Joseph Abud. i got to tell you, Joe, so today you come in, yeah. you're wearing white pants yeah. and a cream turtleneck, right? and just about two weeks ago, yeah. I wore a pair of your white pants, yeah. and I can't tell you how many idiots are going, you don't wear white <laughs> pants in the winter. That's have so people old. not figured out? No, you That's know, like the Bible, it's so old. Th- th- that's right. I mean, things have changed. Wear what you want to wear, when you want to wear it. You know, winter whites are beautiful. It, you know, it's it's lively. It brings your spirit up. Yes. Why not? It's I don't so think, dark and gloomy it, here as it is. Absolutely. Be a beacon of light. Come in, like you know, <laughs> I, you know be angelic if you need to be. But uh, no, and, and I know those pants you have. You know what? So dress up and have fun. Today you're really well-dressed. Now you're dressed for TV today, not radio. It's <laughs> not, right? you know, it's not a sports jersey and sweatpants. No, you no, really no. look yeah. terrific yeah. today. I haven't worn a sports jersey and sweatpants I know. since you and I got close yeah, years I know. ago. You know, I mentioned the fact you and I am a, a stable for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, I get, um, I get a ton, mm-hmm. I mean a ton, of really beautiful feedback every day about sure. the show. People sure. love it. Right. And I get a very small percentage of nastiness. The nastiness always says the same thing. Say it is uh, the show's doom because Bernie's dead, which is ridiculous. The ratings have gone up uh, got, got since he uh, yeah. passed away, which is heartbreaking and horrible. Right. And uh, and I miss people were leaving because, you know, that's not the show that I missed it. Now, I was on I Miss the show on and off for 18 years. That's right. During his heyday. He was not a Republican. Most of his guests were Democrats. Most of his best friends were Democrats. Right. It was not a Republican show. What are these people talking about? No, he wasn't. I he mean, was on Fox Business, but, yeah, just, but he, only because they gave him a place to be. That's right. I mean, he had Joe Lieberman on on a regular basis. He had all of the network He had guys. Biden on. He had Biden on. He Mike Lupico. He had all of that. And, you know, I think there's a message there. Have on who you want to have on. You don't have to be defined by being a Republican or Democrat. If someone's interesting and they're a friend of yours, if they have a different political belief, doesn't mean you have to hate them. Exactly. It really doesn't mean that. I think the show, in my opinion, this show has a variety that is great because it can go from sports to politics. You're the BFF with the mayor now. Um, (laughs) You know, it's it's kind of hysterical. If you really understand the nuances of this show, it's amazing. And I always am worried that it's going to sound like I'm blowing smoke here. But I don't know how you do what you do. I'm sorry, guys, in the control room, but, but I know, I know. Joe could just go home. Oh, uh, you know, so you know, Lou and, and Justin and the team. But it's really difficult to maintain an energy level for four hours. That is, and and I know what it's like to have to be in an intense moment doing fashion shows, 
fashion presentations to be at that level. So kudos to you. And I'm, I'm sorry, listeners. Uh, I really <laughs> believe that Sid has this incredible talent to do this. And that's why you get the guests that you get. And I'm being sort of very objective about this because I see the kind of range. You'll get a housewife and you'll get the vice president. Right. I mean, right, that's right. range. But, that, but that's what I misdid. Yes. That's what Howard Stern has done that's all right. these years. When you look at the really great ones, yeah. I mean the really great ones, right. and I'm not there yet. But that's what they do. That's what they did. It wasn't, well, he's a, a Democrat, so he's not coming on. No. I mean, it, what, is ha- what has happened to our audience that we've gotten that stupid? And the thing is, you can regurgitate with 24-7 media. You regurgitate the same story. Okay, oh. I've heard it. I've heard it. It's great to take a break, to have a little entertainment, a little fun, to be human about this thing. Because I hate these ideologies that separate people. What do you think about the mayor then? I mean, you're not that far removed. You right. had this beautiful store, yeah, which we had my son's uh, charity, yeah. the first ever event there. I miss it. 49th and Madison and that Corey Zelnick building. Yeah. I miss it too. Uh, Bernie loved that store as well. Mm-hmm. It's been gone now for a couple of years, yeah. so you traveling to the city every day doesn't happen. That's right. But you're still here quite a bit. Yeah. What do you think Eric Adams is doing? How do you think he's doing? Well, I think it's important. I think he says the right things. But I haven't really seen the change that he's indicated. I haven't seen retail. Now, don't forget, I'm in the world of fashion. Retail has not come back. No. And men are not, you know, I'm so happy you're wearing a jacket today. Men are not getting dressed, which means men are not shopping, which means stores are not doing the business, which means stores are going out of business. So we still have a problem. And this whole thing about tourism and that store, Sid, 50%, more than 50% of our business was international. People from all over the world. So this city thrives on tourism but it wasn't there, and it still isn't there yet. I, no. I commend him for wanting to do it, but I haven't seen the change. You haven't seen it yet. You know, I was in uh, Blue Mercury the other day. That's one of Danielle's favorite stores. It's a yeah. great store, Blue yeah. Mercury. She gets a lot of her makeup there yeah, and those of types of things. Yeah. I didn't realize that Blue Mercury is part of the same ownership group as Macy's. Mm-hmm. Macy's is in a world of hell and yeah. has been for years. Blue Mercury actually does pretty well because, look, certain items – People are just going to buy. Now, you can spend 8 bucks at Walmart and get lipstick. You yeah. don't got to spend 80 at Blue That's Mercury. Right. But right. the truth is that place has a better chance of, of thriving than Macy's well, because the- nobody wants to spend big money on clothing because, quite frankly, nobody's going to work. Right, and we have to change that. We have to change to get people's mindset to go to the theater. Like you went to the, what, the hockey game last night? Rangers, yeah. yeah. People used to kind of get dressed up. Well, maybe not as much at sporting yeah, events. So all the time. No, the, the guys from Wall Street would go straight from work in their, in their suits, suits and ties to right. the game. Now, right. last night, all I saw, basically, were 18,000 Panarin jerseys. That's it. He's a Benajad, Shesterkin, Duguay. That's all right. I saw. You're right. But also, think about Broadway. When people used to go to the theater, and I'm not talking the 30s and 40s. I'm talking 20 years ago. People would find it was a special event. Let's get dressed up. Let's go have dinner before. So maybe you don't have to wear a three-piece suit. Maybe you throw on a nice jacket and a turtleneck. But get dressed. Show some respect. We need that because I think our standards are being lowered. I agree with you. I mean, we did this um, Radiothon a couple of weeks ago. You know all about it. Raised $1.2 million, Frank Siller Tunnel to Towers. So that day, my staff, Phil... 
Macedonia Phil wore yep. a beautiful turtleneck like you're wearing now and a pair of slacks. Right. Justin Ellick wore a sport jacket yeah. and a T-shirt that yep. is best Don Johnson in December. Yeah. Yes. But, but they looked so much better. And the very next day, they're back to wearing, like, stupid sweatshirts oh, and T-shirts yeah, right. and sweatpants and jeans. And why can't they just do that every day? Well, I mean, I think, I think it's job-related, too. I guess the guys are dressing for radio, and I love these guys, so I'm not going to no, criticize them. No, they're just lazy and tired and <laughs> no, drunk. Well, I love these And they don't get up in the morning. And, like, I spend 45 minutes every morning right. getting ready. They right. don't want to do that. Right, right. But I, but I think if you think about the office buildings, and I know Corey would talk about this, they're not full. They aren't full. People aren't coming in on the metro with three-piece suits. They aren't. So we need to do that. But, but I think overall it's got to change or our, or our industry is really doomed. Really that bad, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, it's really bad. If you looked at the numbers in Women's Wear Daily, it was a terrible holiday season for retailers. It was. I will tell you, if you think about the price of uh, energy, if you think now something was shipped, you paid X amount. Now shipping is so expensive. The cost of transportation – it affects everybody. It affects the cost of a sweater or a sport coat. So until we get this energy back in line, it's going to affect prices, and inflation is going to keep running out of, uh, you know, running out of steam here. So it looks like you picked a perfect time to get out of the everyday <laughs> grind, get out of the game. And yeah. I know you miss it. I know you're, you're still designing stuff. Yeah. I still see you have sketch work all over the place. Yeah. But, but you picked a good time at least to get out of the game on a daily basis. It's a sea change, and I'm so happy. My timing was impeccable. Uh, just breaking news here is I'm working on creating a new collection. Oh, you are? I can't say the name. Now, you said this two years ago, though. <clears throat> right. Now you're getting closer? Yes, because if you think about the process of developing product and developing labels and concepts, it takes a long time. Plus, I want to make sure that I manufacture it right. I've always been proud of the quality that I produced, and I'm not going to produce yeah. anything unless it's the quality. Plus, you did it here in America in Boston. In, uh, yeah, in uh, New Bedford. New for, Bedford, right. For 30 right. years, we were the largest uh, American clothing manufacturer under the Joseph Abood label. And so that was something I'm very proud of. So, uh, but it's a sea change. We have to, I think if you look at the business today and everything's done online – People are not shopping in stores as much. I think you'll see that uh, any kind of new collection has to take a different turn. You have to do it in a different way. And yet, during Christmas, when I was off last week, yeah. one day I went to Columbus Circle with yep. Danielle. Mm-hmm. One day. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were bored. We were tired of being in Queens. Now of we course. live in the city, of right. course. And Columbus Circle, the mall there was packed. Yeah. It was packed. But that Maybe they're not buying anything, think, but, but they're walking around. A, that's <laughs> so interesting. The, it doesn't interpret into purchases. You know, people want to be out. People are tired of COVID. They're sick of some new variant that's going to come out there. They really want to be out and enjoy life. Doesn't mean because their their pocketbooks are are diminished. They yeah. they don't have the spending power that right, they had. Right. So that really affects, especially the apparel business. Now you talk about your business, New Bedford, Massachusetts, yeah. American. You're a great American, Boston Red Sox fan, <laughs> folks. His Patriots. They beat the Bills on Sunday. They're in the playoffs. It's all great stuff. But you come from Lebanon, very yes. proud Lebanese heritage. Yeah. And you've got a book yeah. in front of you today. And you gave me this, this piece of paper which reads, I believe in your destiny. Right. Why are you carrying around that book right. early in 2023? Well, because of everything that's happening with sanctuary cities and immigration, you know, I've, my grandparents came through Ellis Island. And the show that you went to with Danielle on the ship, that ship, when we did that show in 2019 – actually brought immigrants to America, the ship that we did the fashion show on. And so I was uh, paying homage to my grandparents who came through Ellis Island for a better life 
to build, but also to contribute. And I was just, I was telling Deborah, it wasn't so much to come to take. It was really about coming to build and participate, bring your culture, bring your heritage, but build America. And that's something that, you know, so many of us who come from immigrant families, we were taught work hard. Look at John Katsimatidis. John came from a family of immigrants. Look at Lydia. Uh, so, you know, they're proud of their heritage, but they're proud to be Americans. And I think that's the story. But this article that I gave you was written in 1926. Wow, almost 100 years almost ago. Almost 100 years ago. Jeez. So you have to do me a favor later and read it I on will. your own. I will. By the way, this whole dress thing, you, you did this to me. Yeah. You're the reason why. <laughs> yes, I created the monster. You did, but it, it's worked very well for me. Yeah, and But you now great. that you're not in the store every day, I do have to go shopping once in a while. So I became very friendly with a guy named Anthony. He's yeah. got a place called The Garage in Brooklyn. It's yeah, a legendary no, clothing it. store. Yeah, yeah. And he just texted me. He loves you. Yeah. And he said, Joseph Abood is right on the money when it comes. He's doing retail right Good now. Good for him. Congrats. He's got people walking around his store, not necessarily buying everything on the racks. Right, right, right. Well, you know, anybody who's in retail, I give him a lot of credit. So good luck to him. You'll be back, though. I'm coming back, baby. Oh, this is so big. Joseph Abood, like a ball player. I'm coming back, like baby. Like the natural. How was Robert your, Redford. Yeah, how was your New Year's? Nice? It was great. It good. was great. It good. was really great. And, and good luck with the house. Thank I you. I know it's going to be beautiful. And uh, if you need anything, let me know. There he is, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest men's fashion designer in the history of the business. And even better than that, one of the biggest hearts and nicest people you'll ever meet. Proud to call him a dear, dear friend, the great Joseph Abu. Still lots more to come, including Lydia Reports, Peter King, Phil Sims, and former star of the Real Housewives of New York City, Ebony K. Williams, on this, the Wednesday edition of Sittin' Friends in the Morning. This is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. Sid, first off, I want to congratulate you for making it into the New York Post. Sid in Friends. I think that's the first Sid in Friends in the New York Post, yeah, right? I mean, I've been in there many, many times. I got me and yes. Bernie in there a billion times. But not only the New York Post, but every uh, local network yes. news show last night. Bill Redder, ABC, Dana Tyler, CBS, Fox News this morning on Fox and Friends. It's been Whoa. everywhere and that's why it's important to have a guy like the mayor on the show, whether you agree or disagree with his everyday politics. And that's why it's also important to have a guy like you that knows how to ask the right questions. Well, thank you. Thank no, you. I'm being thank serious you. because how, how, there's been plenty of interviews. He was on uh, ABC 7 over the weekend, you know, the TV. And oh, they didn't Bill Ritter show up close. Questions. Yes, yes, yes. Right. They didn't think to ask him that question that you were asking him. And so that that's how you were able to elicit that great response. And people, oh, look, she's now she's kissing Sid's butt. <laughs> no, because I, I have to preemptively strike all the, the oh, haters. Uh, no, I'm just saying this is how you're supposed to do it. We mix in the journalism, too. So that's why you have to have on Mayor Adams because we don't want to be in an echo chamber. OK, this is how you do politics. You talk right. to all walks of life, all people. All I mean, I, I do draw the line. I, I would bring on Biden. I would do Biden. He wouldn't come here. Um, I do draw the line at the governor. I would not bring Kathy Hochul on this show, despite her very lofty position, because not only does the audience dislike her, I do. See, I don't dislike Eric Adams. So I can bring him on. I kind of like him, actually. But I would draw the line. There are certain politicians that I believe are so toxic 
and so bad to our city, state, and country, I would not bring them on. I would not bring on, for example, uh, Maxine Waters. I wouldn't bring on, like I said, Kathy Hochul. Uh, Nancy Pelosi I would bring on because I have to tell you something. The Republicans can learn a lot from Nancy Pelosi because the one thing she did was keep her chamber in order. And if you're watching the Kevin McCarthy situation right now, the GOP, us, we're embarrassing ourselves every day. That never happened with Nancy Pelosi. So like her, hate her, I don't care. She kept her chamber in order, something we can't do. Excellent point there. Well, I wanted to just kind of go away, just something different this morning. So the Idaho murder case, it's very interesting how the police were able to zero in on this guy, Brian Koberger. So what they did is why it took so long for them is there was an abundance of DNA evidence all strewn throughout this house, right? Because it was like almost like a sorority house. They kept the doors open. So then they collected all the DNA, matched it with people that are supposed to be there, people who live there, college kids, uh, ex-boyfriend or whatever. And then they found some DNA of a person that should have never been there, an unidentified person. So then they put it through CODIS, which is the national DNA database but they came up empty because Koberger has no criminal history and that's when police sources say they used genetic genealogists and uploaded those samples to a public database such as like family tree DNA or like you know you know me one two three all those things and then they built a family tree using birth and death records census records and other hints and that's how they were able to kind of cross-reference and pinpoint it right to brian kohlberger and apparently the police have never kind of solved the case in real time using genealogists so it's really kind of like good old-fashioned police work then they use the science collecting the dna analyzing it and then they also use these genealogists to kind of zero in on this guy so it's it's incredible that's why they're so confident it can only be this guy and nobody else they also used some triangulation for his cell phone records and found that he was constantly around that house in that area because you know your cell phone hits like a certain tower every yeah, time you yeah. go by an area yeah so then they figured it out they were like okay so not only is this guy's dna now at the scene uh, the whatever his you know doing the dna analysis and this and that and now they're finding that his cell phone showed that he was constantly around the house so it looks like this guy and he was also studying criminology yeah he might have been doing some sort of thrill kills to see if he could get away with the ultimate murder it's just really scary because i think a lot of people get brainwashed looking at a lot of the documentaries on the serial killers and they idolize them so i mean this is all speculation my motive because that's what they're trying yeah. to figure out what this guy's motive no it was. could be um, by the way that uh it's a great time to transition to a little promotion today on sid's take it's going to be witchy wednesday that alliteration witchy wednesday and the trivia contest will be Serial killers, which Lydia oh. just mentioned moments ago. But, uh, you see, I was on vacation last week when this guy was arrested. I was really scared to death that they wouldn't find the guy that did it. I'm happy they really did. But I didn't know if he liked one of the girls, what his motivation. So we still don't know why he did it, right? We still don't know? We don't We don't know the motive, but he was studying criminology at the nearby university. So that's why I was kind of coming up with the theory that this was some sort of thrill kill. And uh, supposedly yeah. when he was first arrested, they said he, the first words out of his mouth were, you know, did you arrest anybody else? And 
So I think he thought he he's he'll be able to get away with the, the perfect crime, some kind of thrill. Who knows? Wow. Who knows? Wow. But um, it looks like the police got their guy, but it's just really incredible. And everybody was criticizing this little police department, Moscow, Idaho police department. And look what they did. They did a really incredible well, job. That's they just why, wanted to take their time. That's why I yelled at you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though I love you desperately, and I really mean that, you're great. But I was uh, getting angry when you kept bringing up the Uvalde Police Department because we know they failed. We know a lot of those kids died oh, no, because they screwed up. They screwed no, they up, screwed right? Up. But 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 I, I'd rather I'd rather hear good stories about cops than keep yeah, going over the bad stories. When they do yeah, but we were bad, calling so. them out for months and months and months. We did it already. That's okay, why. I that's know, why, but that, even the first time when I called them out, you got mad at me. I you did, were like, yes. "No." I'm, yeah, okay. I'm but very, after I'm, that, yes, I'm not going to drone on about. I'm very pro cop. <laughs> I know you are. People message me. They're like, "Oh, Lydia, you said there's some bad cops out there when you were off." And like, they would. Sid would never let you get away with it. I said, "I know," because Sid is extremely pro cop, and I love that about you. How loyal you are. I'm. Lo- I I do. I I support the blue, but I'm going to call you out if you do something wrong too. So there's nothing wrong with had, that. I've, I had a, I had a bad experience with a cop myself. I'll tell you that story another day sounds good I had, uh, there's some jerk cops out there but by and large 99.99 percent they're great guys and i support the blow and they got a lot to deal with i don't know you i don't think you could pay me enough to do that job <laughs> the crap that these people have to go through no but, doubt um, there you go so we'll be on tonight five o'clock cats at night john katzmitt tv show you don't want to miss it he's got the greatest greatest guests and topics and you know, you're right there on his heels there with the great guests now. Look at you, Mayor Adams, and making worldwide news. Well, thank you for that, Lydia. Thank you for the kind words and uh, for the great job you do every weekday afternoon sitting alongside John Katz and Matidi's Cats at Night. You can follow Lydia. I recommend you do on Twitter, at Lydia News, and on Instagram, at Lydia News 1. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Friends. Last night I was presented the only way to have 218 votes if I provided certain members with certain positions, certain gavels to take over the church committee, to have certain budgets. And they even came to the position where one, Matt Gates said, I don't care if we go to plurality and we elect Hakeem Jeffries and it hurts the new frontline members not to get reelected. Well, that's not about America. And I will always fight to put the American people first, not a few individuals that want something for themselves. That's Kevin McCarthy yesterday again, 0 for 3 in getting to 218 and becoming Speaker of the House. A Democrat, Hakeem Jeffries, is actually closer to that position than the GOP, which, of course, won the House back, very slim majority, back in November. Peter King spent the better part of four decades as one of the greatest statesmen. I always say him and Giuliani, the two best ever in the history of New York Went on, of course, to do stuff nationally, Homeland Security, the 9-11 Fund. And now he's a major superstar between the John Katzenmatidis and Sid Rosenberg shows on WABC. Here he is, a man who now I call a dear friend and proudly so, the great Peter King. Congressman King, Happy New Year. Welcome back, pal. How are you? Happy New Year to you. I never thought the last time I saw you that you'd be homeless. Oh, my God. <laughs> guy with all your power and money. And- I know. I know. Believe me. But I mean, I'm not homeless. We're living in a very nice hotel, walking distance. But I had to kick out a couple of migrants just to get my room, Peter. <laughs> How did you get feel when you moved in? I mean, <laughs> well, it's been interesting the last couple of months for the Rosenberg family. That's, uh, that's true. I want to get your take on this whole McCarthy thing. I think it's because become really embarrassing 
for the GOP. MSNBC and CNN are having a, a, a great time with this the last couple of mornings. The chaos around McCarthy and the GOP really disappointed in people like Lauren Boebert and Matt Gates. A, what do these people really want? And B, do you think eventually McCarthy will get the speaking gig? I certainly hope he would. Listen, I don't agree with Kevin McCarthy on everything, but the fact is that over 90 percent of the elected Republicans uh, chose him to be their speaker. I mean, it's 90 percent. The people you're talking about who are against him, first of all, you know, the only ones who have any reputation at all are Matt Gates, who was uh, you know, investigated for being a sex, a sex trafficker, and Paul Gozar, who every member of his family came out against him. I mean, you know, he ran for office. So there's no one there who's a serious player. Among the almost, almost well, what about Bobert? What about the gun toter out of Colorado, Lauren Bobert? Yeah, I mean, what has she done? I mean, she was Nothing. in one term and she barely won her last election. So, I mean, she's the last one who should be telling the rest of the country what to do. But here's the point those are issues that you resolve within the party. And that's why in the last 170 years, there's only been one other time where a speaker wasn't elected on the first ballot. Uh, it's a consensus that if you have real differences, you resolve them within the party, and then you go forward. Now, listen, if there was a great moral issue here, if there was some issue of war and peace, if it was slavery, the Holocaust, something like that, you know, whether we should be in war or not, those are issues maybe that you take to the House floor to speaker. But you have to have one person who is the leader of your party. Out of 90%, vote for McCarthy to be the leader. That's the way it should be. It's a bad precedent if we say that uh, a small group, and I don't think you would have had 19 if it wasn't for the original five, once they did that, and sort of emboldened the others, and now they can use that as a fundraising gimmick back in their district. But if we go into this thing where, and by the way, let me go back a bit. Nancy Pelosi, she had a lot of opposition from AOC in that crowd. Nancy Pelosi only got 216 votes the last time she ran for speaker. But the Democrats came together enough to reelect her. And I was there also with, with uh, John Boehner and Newt Gingrich when they were under attack. Because the party always came together to give them the votes they need. You have to have, in a real world, you have to have a real leader out there. You have to yep. have a leader out there, and you can't be going back and forth carrying on all these yep. arguments and discussions. No, I agree. And uh, Brian Kilmeade said on this show about uh, about an hour ago, these should have taken place behind closed doors, not for MSNBC to be talking about it before all this took right. place. And you heard I just said to Lydia, I would bring Nancy Pelosi on this show. I couldn't stand her. I disagree with her. But the truth is, she kept her house in order. Something we don't do. And this has been years of this. Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, now this nonsense with Kevin McCarthy. What is the GOP trying to do exactly? Kill themselves? I tell you, it's, uh, my old uh, friend Jimmy Breslin would say it's a gang that can't shoot straight. Right. I mean, they really, <laughs> I mean, Kevin McCarthy, again, give him credit for this. In 2020, when Donald Trump lost the elect- national election by 7 million votes, no matter how you want it, added up in the popular vote he lost, Kevin McCarthy picked up 20 House seats for the Republican. Then this year we took over the House. So we have 222 seats. We've, that's about 30, 30-something seats that he's picked up in the two terms he's been, you know, the leader. Minority leader, and uh, you know, they have no other candidate. It'd be different if they had, if there was someone like a Henry Hyde, or even like among the Democrats, they had Steny Hoyer and Nancy Pelosi fighting it out. You had two heavyweight contenders. Here you have Kevin McCarthy, and the only name they, they're putting up against him now is Jim Jordan, who's supporting Kevin McCarthy. I mean, this is this is madness. And uh, what Brian Kilmeade said is true, but this was fought out behind closed doors. They had a closed door conference, a closed door election. And Kevin McCarthy was overwhelmingly selected to be the Republican candidate. So these people are grandstanding as a bad precedent. We're going to set if a handful of people 
can tie up the entire Congress because I know people like saying uh, George Santos was sworn in. He wasn't sworn in. We don't have a Congress today. That's right. There's no Congress. No, I made that mistake this morning. I said uh, Santos was sworn in yesterday, and the truth is, and again, MSNBC all over this this morning because Santos put on his website sworn in. And, of course, he's not sworn in. Why is that? Because there is no speaker yet, so he was not sworn in. I made the same mistake. Before we get to Santos and what he's been doing, you mentioned Jim Jordan. Chip Roy on the floor nominated Jim Jordan for that speaker job yesterday. Like you said, Jordan is supporting McCarthy. He doesn't want any part of this. So even doing that, even just mentioning Jim Jordan's name, causes a whole other splinter inside the GOP. Right, and they're being cute in doing that. And uh, listen, it's easy to stand on the sidelines. <clears throat> I mean, you know, you're going through that now. You have dinner with Eric Adams, and certainly you're you know, suddenly you're a traitor. Suddenly <laughs> right, you're right. Me to the other side. Right. I mean, or, or by the way, if God forbid uh, Mike Pence is on the show with me, when you sent me a great article just a couple of days ago, which said of all these candidates, including DeSantis and Trump, Mike Pence may be the most conservative and American of all. Yeah, that's the irony of those people. Maybe they don't know what a conservative is. I mean, uh, Mike Pence over the years was much more conservative than Donald Trump ever was. So, I mean, to me, we have to be able to have honest differences and uh, keep people within the same tent. I mean, to excluding people because you don't agree with something they said or did on a certain day is insane. And uh, also, as you as you see now in your dealings with Eric Adams, that if you in any way vary, if you want to reach out at all, uh, somehow you're considered a traitor, and it's uh, it's wrong. Meanwhile, uh, uh, you know the country is in bad shape. But really, let's say we had a war situation tomorrow. Who House representatives isn't there? We, half of our Congress is missing because of this, and it's Jeez. insane to put the country through this again. If we were talking about a major, major issue, but if you ask these guys, you know what's you know what's the difference? What's the difference between uh, Matt Gates and? Uh, Kevin McCarthy, other than the fact that Kevin McCarthy is more normal, but there's no big policy difference. These guys want positions for themselves. They want power, they, and they love getting you know, their name out there. And would anybody be talking about these people if they weren't doing this now, if they weren't hijacking the Congress? So it's really bad. Let me tell you one good story, though, Sid. This story is a good ending. I go to church last week, St. William the Abbott Church in Seaford, and there's always this uh, usher in the back. His name is Tom. I walk in, Tom is in there. His wife is there. I said, oh, how are you doing? How's Tom? Oh, he's in the hospital. He has an MRI. Uh, I think you may have cancer. I don't know. What, and she uh-huh. says, so I, so anyone does a good ending. So I, I try to console her. And she goes, you know, it's really terrible what happened with Bernie. But Sid is doing a terrific job. And uh-huh. it's so good that Lou is back. And the team she got in both deedle on, uh, is, is great on Tuesday. I'm thinking, wait a minute, your husband's in the hospital, MRI, cancer. And you're talking about Lou Rufino. You're talking about Sid Rosenberg. And you're talking about Bo Deedle. And here we are in a church of God, house of God. And that's why, you know, she, she was so concerned about you go bottom line is the husband come back all the tests were fine oh good so sit no matter where i go even in a catholic church <laughs> i gotta hear about Sid well i'm big in and catholic Lewis, churches you know, are you in the last time here i went to church no i well, i was there quite a bit uh when bernie went through what he went through when mike green made that point twice up at the uh altar uh making my visits to saint patrick's cathedral bernie's church you were there too out on long island so i am no stranger to the catholic church before we wrap this up you mentioned george santos he was not sworn in but he's going to be sworn in. Uh, seems hard to believe we were celebrating him as one of the four Republicans that flipped the seat uh, last November. Now he's become a really public enemy number one to both Democrats and Republicans. How do you think this George Santos thing ends? I think he, well, he's going to be sworn in. I think as soon as he's sworn in, they're going to be in a House ethics investigation. He's already being investigated, apparently, by the United States Attorney, by the Nassau County DA. 
And uh, I, I don't see how he survives. Uh, I mean, everything in terms of everything about him is, is, is a fraud. And by the way, he says he won the election two years. He lost by 12 points, the Swazi. I mean, it's uh, – but anyway, still, I mean, he doesn't uh, – he has to be seated uh, because, again, nothing's been proven against him. But I think once you have these hearings, the ethics hearings, once the U.S. attorney gets involved yeah. – and we're talking about potential criminal conduct here. Yeah, I mean, there's no uh, – uh, you know, people say Joe Biden lied and this guy lied. All of that is true. But the fact is that uh, uh, when you falsify financial documents, when suddenly – you get you go from being evicted from your apartment in Sunnyside to being able to give seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars to your campaign. <laughs> and you don't really list any any clients or anything. You know, where did that money come from? How did he get it? That's a good question. So that's that's yep. all gonna be investigated yep. and it is being yep. investigated. So no, I, I, I listen, I, I I don't like seeing anyone really in trouble, but I, I have no sympathy for Santos. Everything about him has been a lie. Yep. I actually reached out to Lee Zeldin yesterday, said, Hey Lee, what do you think about taking Santos's position if it's vacated his exact answer was i haven't thought about that yet lee zeldin keep your eye on that anyway as always pete king amazing you were so helpful in 2022 you're going to be a huge part of this show in 2023 i love you i love rosemary the whole king family happy new year and thank you so much again for another great appearance thank you sir it's always great thank you you too the great peter king Wow, what a great show it's been already. Still a lot more to do next hour, including former New York football giant Super Bowl winning quarterback and now one of the big stars on the NFL today on CBS. My dear friend, the great number 11, Bill Sims. He'll be here at 9.05. And then a former WABC midday host turned Real Housewife of New York, Ebony K. Williams. All that's still to come, plus your chance at cash and prizes with Sid's Take. Keep it right here Wednesday with Sid and Friends in the morning. If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC.
R.E.M. Fall on Me. Happy birthday to Michael Stipe, the singer of this band. DeMar Hamlin remains in critical condition in a Cincinnati hospital. It turns out he actually died twice. He had to be resuscitated twice. But it does look like he's on the mend. It looks that way. He's still in very critical condition, still far from out of the woods. But, Phil, you told us a story yesterday about his charity. And, man, has that thing ballooned to an unbelievable figure. Give us the latest on that story. Yeah, as of now, this morning, I was I was checking the updates, but now it just hit over $6 million total. $6 million. Now, now, the name of the charity is what and how much money did he raise, and it wasn't much, before he was injured in front of that audience on Monday night? It's the Chasing M's Foundation Community Toy Drive. It's a toy drive like many other charities uh, founded by him. It was The original goal was $2,500. And it's now raised. Well, he couldn't get even twenty five hundred. It wasn't there. It was not even halfway there. Right. You said that his original goal, Demar Hamlin, was to raise twenty five hundred. He raised eleven hundred. Now everybody loves this kid. I saw the coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Tomlin, on ESPN yesterday, raving about him. He went to school in Pittsburgh. Everybody loved this kid, but he couldn't even raise fifteen hundred bucks. Then he gets hurt, and the world sees it, and all of us cried. I cried. And now he's up to $6 million? Yeah, and you see pe- people from around the league, a lot of famous people, the top donors, like amongst the top donors, Robert Kraft, the New England Patriots, 18000 uh, Matthew Stafford, 12000 Rams Tom quarterback. Brady, yeah, right. Tom Brady, 10000 Michael Phelps, a couple thousand. Shannon Sharp's on here. There's a lot of Devontae Adams. It's well, My know. favorite name, though, is still Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani donated $2,000. How about the mayor, Rudy Giuliani? Huh? I mean, those guys are football players. I get it. They're all part of that great fraternity. But uh, Rudy Giuliani, that's uh, that's the most impressive name of all. 1-800-848. Thank you, Macedonia Phil. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Still an hour to go. Phil Sims, Ebony K. Williams, Sid's take, and a major mention for Sid and Friends in the Morning in today's New York Post, page 8, and every local news network in the city last night. Deb Valentine can tell you all about that. Fourth and final hour of Sid and Friends in the Morning, about to come your way. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. From my friends. 77 WABC. Skip Bayless just got fired, so I made it up. So. <laughs> what did you say? Skip Bayless. But he wants Skip Bayless fired because he had the nerve to say play the game, which was very stupid, very stupid, and very insensitive. Life is all about timing, and while the game is important, that poor man died on the field that night. He's died once again since. So Bayless's timing, not necessarily great. His point is well taken. That was an important game, but not the right place, not the right time. Uh, looks as though DeMar Hamlin is on the men, but still far from out of the woods. My next guest, between 1979 and 1993, distinguished himself as one of the greatest 
New York athletes of all time, certainly one of the greatest New York football giants of all time. That amazing Super Bowl in 86, the MVP beating John Elway and the Broncos. And the Hostetler year when we beat Buffalo, that was all Sims, too. We were 10-1 and when Phil got hurt against the Bills that day, so screw Hostetler. And now he's going to have to become a huge star on CBS on the NFL today. Wasn't I his fave, but a long, long-time friend of mine, the great number 11, Phil Sims. Phil, Happy New Year, buddy. Welcome back. Sid, thank you. Good to be back on with you. Um, you know, you brought up a, a lot of stuff there. And I appreciate a lot of the kind words. But anytime I wanted to lose a little weight, I just went on with Don Imus because that was sweat <laughs> fest every time. What yeah. is he going to say? I and, know. you know, of course, you know, the pressure, because he would judge you when you went off the air. Well, that was a waste of our time. And, <laughs> So whatever. So yeah. yeah, man. Every Thursday. I know. I often said that Phil Sims Phil Sims would much rather face an angry Philadelphia Eagle defensive line than Don Imus. Well, your good friend and late friend Bernard McGurk would say to me as he would call me and get ready to go on, he goes and I'd say, Hello, he goes, Man, we're I'm sorry, uh, Phil. You gotta deal with this guy <laughs> every time. Like so it was pretty funny, oh, but it, no, oh. it really was kind of fun doing it because I, I did like arguing against Simus, so because he really knew nothing about sports. Nothing. So yeah. that made it yeah. easy. He knew nothing yeah. about anything. He was just an amazing, he had great instincts, and he was a tremendous entertainer, but he wasn't as bright as he thought he was. That was old Charles McCord. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but wow. on a serious note, I, um, I was watching this game on Monday night like the world was, the Bills and the Bengals, and huge game, to skip Bayless's point, huge game, I mean, Playoff implications, possible number one seeds. I mean, big, big deal. This yeah. uh, this kid, Demar Hamlin, goes down in the first quarter and literally dies on the field. He's died once since. Thank God he's been resuscitated twice. You've been on the field. You've seen injuries. I mean, Joe Theismann, he wasn't going to die, but that was ugly. When you were watching yeah. that on Monday night, you were thinking what, Phil Sims? Oh, geez, what was I thinking? Uh, you know, the same thing I always think when I see these scenarios where somebody's on the field, the first thought that comes to my mind, oh, my gosh, is poor. Not only, you know, of course I feel sorry for the player in the field, but my immediate thoughts go to the families. And because you're, you don't know much. You just see your son or well, whoever it is related to you laying there on the field. And uh, I, I can't. You just can't imagine what goes through their mind. So, and, and I did one of those games in 1997 with Greg Dumble in Detroit. Reggie Brown was hurt, and for 17 minutes we were on the air, no commercials. And all I kept thinking about the whole time, I would love to say something, have some information to tell his parents, his friends, his family, whatever. And you really, there's nothing to tell them. And you just got to, you know, Wait for the NFL, wait for a few things to find out what we know, and and just root for the person that's, um, of course, like DeMar Hamlin, the person that's injured. Well said. But when these things happen, Phil, it's kind of like when somebody, when there's a school shooting, we go right to gun control. And when these things happen, we go right to, well, the NFL is too violent. I saw your former teammate, uh, Hall of Famer, the great Harry Carson, was on CNN this morning, believe it or not, talking to Don Lemon. And they were talking about the fate of football because, again, 
He's motionless on the turf. He wanted to cardiac arrest. And the folks that say this sport is just not safe enough, I don't think that's true. I mean, I think obviously it's a violent sport and guys will get hurt and sometimes very seriously hurt. But we always have that conversation. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, it, that, that's a tough subject. It, it, every every time I know, it's, that was one of the things, too, after you settle down, you go, well, you know there's going to be fallback or whatever you want to call it that people say, well, we got to stop this. And, um, you know, I think every sport has some downside to it, of course, um, if you want to look at it that way. But I don't think much is going to change in the NFL. Um, yes, it's a rough, tough sport played by a lot of tremendous athletes. It's very physical. All these things we're talking about is why everybody loves the game so much because we know every game counts. It has everything you want. It has beauty. It has, it's physical. And there's a lot of things. That's why the NFL is the most popular sport in the world, especially, of course, here in America. But I'm not going to give the knee-jerk reaction, oh, my God, it's time to give up the sport. we got to stop because of an injury. So, um, I, that's just that's the natural thing to do, Sid. Um, but I do not think the NFL football is going anywhere. It's nope. stronger now than ever, yep. and it's going to keep going forward. I'm on the same page. Uh, but the Skip Bayless story, he's on Fox. He does that back-and-forth show with Shannon Sharp. He's on, on Twitter Monday night. The, the kid is still on the turf. He's motionless on the turf, and he's going, we got to play this game. Now, we do have to play this game. I want to ask you about the implications afterwards, but now people want Skip Bayless fired. I am tired of the cancel culture. I'm tired of firing everybody. What he said was insensitive, even stupid. But we have to fire everybody every time they say something we don't agree with? What are your thoughts on Skip Bayless? Well, you know, (laughs) I don't know what to say about it. I quit watching a long time ago. I like to watch a little and see if there's any information coming out when I sit around during the days and I do my work. But so those are my thoughts on Skip Bayless. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. It, it never, but, 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 never when he's, but when he I, said you got to play the game, Bill, he's not necessarily wrong in terms of the implications. It was a yeah. big game, right? I mean, that, that yeah. is true. Oh, uh, no, no. He was a thousand percent wrong. I mean, a thousand. Shut up. Somebody's exactly. laying on the field. Right, right, Shut right. Up. Right. No, that, listen. That I, just tells you who he is. No, I, I never liked him. In fact, I always, I never knew how he made millions and millions of dollars. I have no idea how he does that. Because he says a lot of stupid things. <laughs> that's why. So. Well, you know, that's the sad thing. You know, that's what it, Oh, let's, let's say something that's against the grain and all right, that. Come right, on. right, right. So those people, when I hear that and see it, I know their agenda and. Yeah. So that's that's the end of that. That's as much as I want to. Talk. You said it great. Trust me, that was perfect. This is the great Bill Sims, NFL Today Super Bowl MVP quarterback for the Giants. Now, in terms of the game, we all hope and pray Demar Hamlin gets better. That's the most important thing. We never want to cloud that subject. But in terms of the game, there are playoff implications, top seeds for both Buffalo and Cincinnati. Now, the NFL is saying today they're not going to play it this week, and there's a likelihood they're not going to play it at all. How does that happen with Buffalo, you know, up against Kansas City for the number one seed? Well, you know, first off, I, I want to go back just for a second. Not not for one second watching the game. Put me on a lie detector test. I'll prove it. 
not for one second did I go, well, we got to get this straightened out so they can finish the game. <laughs> I, mean, I, I never thought that for right. not even a second. Right, because you're human. Well, I don't know about, well. Yes. Yeah, it just, all I could think about, like I told you, and it was real. And look, I'm not a, I never get in this. I had a son in that situation. And yeah. almost identical to that. Yeah. And the, the good thing for me I was on a plane and didn't know anything, and I landed, and I got all these text messages. That's about when the phone – and I was like, what is going on here? And then I find out the news. Well, thank God the critical part was at least I knew he was going to survive. But um, so I, I don't know. So I know not that I've been there like DeMar Hamlin's family or is or anything. It was close, but um, – yeah, I never thought about. Oh, we got to get these, get this off the field, get the him off, and let's get this straight so we can play the game. And as far as that goes, the, yeah, the, the NFL is in a tough situation here. How are they going to handle this? Because this could be a real mess. Because everybody, let's say everybody wins. So let's say Buffalo won and they're tied with Kansas City again. They go into the last game of the year. Buffalo has the edge because they beat Kansas City. Now Buffalo doesn't get to play, and the one with the best winning percentage gets to be the higher seed, well, that most likely uh, would be the Kansas City Chiefs. So there's going to be – I don't know what they're going to do about this situation. And said uh, they'll figure it out. The NFL is pretty good at, at, you know, doing these kind of things on the fly and trying to be fair to everybody. It's going to be tough. But, again, we're just going to go back to what? Hey, unusual circumstances. Let's all – got to deal with it. Yeah. We had a player lay on the field. In a really critical situation, and I think we all have to be sensitive to that. Yeah. The NFL does, too. I know they will. And um, I'm interested to see what they do to try to make this fair for all football teams, but that might be really hard to get done. Not just laying on the field. He, he died. I mean, in, in medical terms, DeMar Hamlin died that night. He's died once since. Thank God he's been resuscitated twice, so it doesn't get much more serious than that. And I remember when Chris, your son, you know I love, I love that kid, I remember when he got hurt uh, in that game, and I was worried about you. I was like, oh, my God, Phil's going to see this, and I didn't know you were on a plane. but uh, So you do know what you're talking about this uh, because you did have a son who played in the National Football League, and he was seriously injured, although, thank God, he's okay today. Now, years ago, you said on this show, Phil Sims, Uh-oh. Daniel Jones, this guy's the right guy for the Giants. He's the right quarterback. He's got it. He's going to win Daniel Jones has an unbelievable day against the Colts on Sunday. The Giants are back in the postseason for the first time in six years. And now all these local writers, all these geniuses, have finally come to the realization of something you said years ago. Congrats, Phil Sims. Well, it's not about being right or wrong because football is such a funny sport, especially for quarterbacks, Sid. You know, you, you, you're relying on your team, your play caller, your play designer, the head coach, your offensive line. But, you know, I, I always just go to this because I don't know the kids that are getting drafted. Uh, I don't get a chance to meet them. And I don't know if you can really figure out who they are when you meet them sometimes. We're, oh, we, we put all of our time and effort and talk to him many times. What, the total is what, an hour or two? I don't know. <laughs> it, so it's really hard to find. But one thing I do know, when Daniel Jones was in college, I go, hey, good athlete, really good size. I liked his arm a lot. The guy is accurate. He spins the ball, you know, throws it where he wants. He has power. And I think now 
Brian Dable, we, we finally got a chance to see maybe everything put together as far as the play calling. He's gotten back in there. Brian Dable is, I don't want to say he's toughened up Daniel Jones, but man, he's made him a, a bigger focal point of what they're doing. And I don't think he's played, you know, okay this year. I think he's played really, really well. Yeah. And I, I agree. say this all the time to people, and they always go, well, you know, you know what? What do we what do we have to see? How many weekends every Sunday he he really didn't have downtimes during the year. That's the the other thing I have to argue with everybody. You know, because for probably the first ten or twelve games, everybody still wanted him. We gotta move on. I don't think he's the quarterback. And if we do keep him, we can't pay him too much. <laughs> oh, okay. Now we're salary cap specialist too. So Daniel Jones is going to be the quarterback next year. He did a tremendous job so far this year. Did anybody in their right mind think the Giants would be in this situation? Of no. course. No. no. No, of course, of course not. not. No, so, but so but you know, there's very few moral victories in professional sports film. We'll wrap up the conversation right here. But as a giant fan that uh, for many years, outside of that one uh, postseason we lost to Green Bay with Eli Manning, it's been a lot of years of of garbage, to be honest. And just making the playoffs, for me, is a moral victory. But is there any chance this giant team could actually have any success in the postseason? Well, you never rule out anything. And I just know one thing. The coaching gives the players – they're taking their group of players, and coaching is so important in the NFL. To me, it's just it's the number one thing. Oh, we need a quarterback. Well, you need a coach to get this thing organized and do the right thing so the quarterback can be the guy. But what we've seen from uh, Brian Dable, uh, Wink Martindale, really the whole organization, is that they give their players a, a, a greater chance to have success because of what they design and how they uh, imply it or use it for the game. That's what I've been really impressed with. And I say it all the time during the year. I go, man, they know how to get their players off to good starts. They, they give them some easy plays. And then they design some other ones where, you know, the player, they wanted them to show their athletic ability or what they have, and they get that done. So it's been really, really impressive. Now, as I say to a lot of Giant fans here in these couple of days, as everybody sees the Elder Giants, and I said, yeah, yep, I can hear it next year, though going to be a lot of complaining if the Giants don't go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. So, You're right. Oh, yes. The expectations are through yeah. the roof now yeah. Uh, yeah. about what they're going to be next year. Can they do something in the playoffs? Yes. But I think, you know, when I look at teams and the physical part of it, they're not quite up to the level of some of these teams that we're talking about in the NFC. But to win one game, to upset somebody, that's always a possibility when you talk about the NFL football. It was great seeing 56 at the stadium Sunday, and he got the crowd all yeah. wild. My two favorite Giants of all times by far, no disrespect to Eli or, or others, as, as you and Lawrence, and uh, Lawrence was there on Sunday. And by the way, talking about, you mentioned coaches. You ready for this, Phil? Today, yeah. Phil Sims, today is the 23-year anniversary of the Bill Belichick resignation after one day as head coach of the Jets. Well, I don't know what to say to that. It was a good decision on his part. It's worked out pretty well, hasn't it, for him up in New England? I would uh, say. So it's, hey, all I'll say about Bill Belichick is this. I was there at the Giants with him for a long time. Uh, he treated me great the whole time, uh, all that. But the guy never gets tired of anything about football. 
I've talked to him over the years, hundreds of times. But Bill, what uh, what about free agency? Oh, Phil, I love free agency. Oh, get to see these other players. So what about you know uh, OTAs all day? Oh, it's the best. So we can really teach. And it, what about training camp? Oh, I love training camp. We get to practice. I got the guys. I mean, you know, <laughs> he loves it. But I but I know, yeah, it's. It's who he is. Yep. I mean, he's got the endurance. I don't. I was going to say something probably inappropriate. I'm glad it didn't. The balls. But his endurance to do the job is phenomenal, especially yep. for as long as he has done it. Agreed. Well, folks, you can catch Phil, of course, every Sunday. I never miss the NFL today. I love the back and forth between Phil and, of course, uh, Boomer Esiason, my man on FAN and the former Jet quarterback. And Cowher is there. And, and uh, of course, uh, JB. JB's terrific. And Brosson, the whole crew. Uh, Phil, I-, I love you to pieces. You've been great to me. I want to wish you and your beautiful family a happy new year. I look forward to a great year with you in 2023. Whatever the NFL decides to do, we, our prayers are with Hamlin, of course, and, and I'm yeah. sure no matter what, we'll have a great postseason and a great Super Bowl. All right, Ted. Always good to talk to you. I know you're in good shape. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're pretty tanned. Yes, I usual. am. <laughs> I always got to bring this up. You know, I, it's part of what, because you know why. Why? Because, because I'm jealous. <laughs> because yeah, that's I'm, okay. I'm white as a sheet. Yeah, and I, I have skin problems, but I'm okay. But I don't go in the sun, and when I do, you know, I'm out there with a hat the size of an umbrella, and I got clothes <laughs> on, and it's miserable. <laughs> uh, well, I'm that's, jealous of your Super Bowl ring, so we're even, Phil. It's it's great to talk to you, pal. I love you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. Take care. There he is, folks. The great number 11 from the New York football giants and one of the stars, the NFL Today on CBS. Bill Sims, more to do Wednesday with me, Sid Rosenberg, right here on 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Great Stevie Wonder. But Phil Sims seemed very patient with um, Skip Bayless, did he? <laughs> well, he says a lot of stupid things. That's great. Finally, you got it. But oh. you can tell he's tough to give to, to just lay it out there. He I know. will not be mean to anybody. He just won't do That's it. That's not his nature. No, You're right. it's not. No. But no. he wanted to come back and yeah. say more about it. He did. Him. That's, that's telling. Because you could tell Phil was like, well... I'll just say this, and that's all. And then he went nuts. He's just one of those guys that likes to say things yeah. for the sake of saying it. You can tell he's had a bad experience, or he's hurt him a lot. He's hurt him, and again, his son, Chris Sims, was seriously injured. I think he had to take his spleen out when he was a quarterback for the Buccaneers. Wow. I think the Redskins hit him. Yeah, oh. and uh, Phil, um, you know, Phil's very, very family guy, very. His sons, Matt, Chris, all of them. So um, he's been there, not as bad as Hamlin, of course, who's been resuscitated twice, cardiac arrest twice since the hit against the Bengals on Monday. But he's seen his own family member laying on the turf, and it's not fun. So uh, many years ago, there was a show on Fox News. It was called The Specialist, and they had three hosts. And the hosts were Eric Bowling, who's now on Newsmax, Kat Timpf, who's now on Fox News, and... 
Ebony K. Williams, who's not on TV. And uh, that show, for some reason, really liked Bernie and Sid. So Bernie and Sid were guests on that 5 p.m. weekday specialist show on Fox News. A bunch, including the very last specialist show ever. You may remember when bowling had that controversy. They canceled the show the night that me and Bernie were on. And we were on probably, I don't know, four or five times. And I got um, to be friendly with Ebony, Ebony K. Williams, like her very much. And um, as it turns out, she ended up getting a job here at WABC and did the midday show with Curtis Sliwa. You can't make it up. And then that went away. And she ended up doing a whole bunch of stuff like a podcast and some like, um, I don't know, some, some minor TV roles. And then she gets a job on The Real Housewives of New York City. Now, you guys know, of course, I watch The Real Housewives. Dolores is a friend of mine, Real Housewives of New Jersey. Here comes Ebony. And I was rooting for her, and it was a complete disaster. I mean, just disaster. Fact, she um, she actually, on the first episode, was wearing a sweatshirt of the Central Park Five in scene number one, and then like a Howard University sweatshirt in scene number two. And I was like, wait a second, I know Ebony for years. And her being black was never, never really came up. Didn't matter. And all of a sudden, Real Housewives, it was a huge theme, and it pissed off the rest of the cast. People like Ramona, the Countess, so bad, in fact, they canceled the show. It's over. There's no Real Housewives of New York right now. It's done. But now Ebony is back in her feet. She's got a new podcast, I guess, holding court up for a Webby. And she's going to join us coming up at 50 after the hour. So we're going to come back with Sid's Take. It's a witchy Wednesday on Sid's Take, brought to you by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. And then we'll talk to Ebony Williams at 50. More to do. Hump Day Wednesday with me, Sid Rosenberg, right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC. It's time for Sid's Take. Sid's Take! Sid's Take, yeah! Good luck! It's Sid's Take. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. All right, our second edition here of Sid's Take. We've got a Witchy Wednesday coming up. A little bit of a horror, uh, horror theme, I guess you could say. Horror... Uh, murder theme, very spooky stuff. Again, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers, Pavilion <laughs> Texas Water. Things familiar to us right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very spooky. Uh, <laughs> the murder. <laughs> thanks to Pete Morgan, Pavilion Texas Water. Just go to peerlessboilers.com, paviliontexas.com for a deal interview. They are America's best built boilers. Our contestant for the day, Tim in San Diego. What's going on, Tim? Hey, how's it going? All, All right. right out of here. All right, Timmy. A little bit of a condensed version of the game today. We're tight on time, so that's why I'm talking like I am in, uh, yeah, you know, fast forward. In a helium machine. Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready to go? I'm ready. All right. You understand the theme of today's game? Uh, yeah, something to do with Elaine from Seinfeld. No. Uh, never mind. No, no, no. no, no. Well, that's not it. That's not going to oh, do sorry. it. Oh, sorry. Right. He's, he's a game ahead. Yeah, just some horror trivia. Here we go. All right, number one. What New England city was the setting for a series of trials where more than 200 people Salem. were... What? Oh, I heard him. Did you hear him? Okay. Stepping all over my toes. 
All right, Tim. Moving along, moving along. You got a lot of <laughs> you got a lot of nerve. Here we go. What notorious lake compound? What notorious lake campgrounds was the location of the movie serial killer Jason Voorhees' death? Uh, geez, that was uh, Friday the Thirteenth Lake. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, Loser. Camp Crystal Lake. All right, one for two. Here we go. Number three. What state did Richard Ramirez, a.k.a. the Night Stalker, murder over 15 people in during the mid-1980s? California. All right, two for three. Here we go. On to number four. What canceled NASA Apollo mission was fictionally turned into a horror movie of the same name in 2011? Oh, geez. Uh, Apollo 13, but a horror movie, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Apollo 13. Loser. Apollo 18 would be the correct answer. There's a lot of them. Here we go. On to number five. Anton Levy was the author of which 1969 book that spawned a religion in opposition to Christianity? Yeah, that's Anton LaVey, another oh, California oh, oh. connection. He's got, you were so uh, fresh, Tim. Bible, right? Yeah, you got that right. <laughs> Tim, Tim was just throwing a lot of shade my way. To, you got to cut me some slack here, Tim. I'm trying to run through this thing. You did, it's like having Gordon Chang on. Yeah. <laughs> you, you did a good job, Tim. Three for five. China, China does factor into it. No, never mind. All right, all right. Hold on. Jeez. It is LaVey. All right. Tim. Tim Tim's right, on hold. They'll get a chance to talk to the big man here coming up. You ready to go? I'm ready to go. All right. Three for five. You got to beat it. Here we go. What New England city was a setting for a series of trials where more than 200 people were accused of practicing witchcraft, where 19 were eventually executed? My uh, final answer is the Salem witch trial. There you go. That'll do. That'll do. Don't care. One for one. Who wrote uh, this game today? Uh, Phil wrote the Phil. Phil's very smart. Phil's very smart. Yeah. He had a lot of trouble. It took him about two hours to write this yeah. <laughs> I hate the topic. Yeah. Worst idea ever. Uh-huh. Great. Uh, love the show. Right? Love it. It's uh, got to be the alliteration works. Now, tomorrow will be Thirsty Thursday. So, oh. for example, if I told you this, vodka, orange juice, cranberry juice. What am I talking about? Kool-Aid. Things will be mixing on Friday night. <laughs> I think it's called a, uh, uh, is that a sea breeze or a bay breeze or whatever. Let's go. Put no, it, no, no, no. Here okay, comes number geez. two. Thursday, number two. Thursday and football Friday coming up on Friday. Gotcha Got covered. Here we go. Now, what notorious lake campgrounds was the location of the movie serial killer Jason Voorhees' oh, wow. death? Wow. Wow. That's a good one. It, it mirrors the same name as one of my favorite resorts in the mountains of northwestern New Jersey. I believe it's Crystal Lake. Oh. Spectacular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two for two. On to number three. Here we go. What state did Richard Ramirez, a.k.a. the Night Stalker, murder over 15 people in during the mid-1980s? I remember him. He had, like, kinky hair, mm. dark-skinned Puerto Rican guy. He liked bay breezes, I think. Too. Yes, he did. Yeah. Uh, not the Golden State Killer, but the same state. I believe it was in the state of California. Spectacular. <laughs> All right, three for three for the win. What canceled NASA Apollo mission was fictionally turned into a horror movie of the same name in 2011? Apollo 13? <laughs> <laughs> it was Apollo 13 canceled? Soon? No, that was real, I guess. Apollo, I Apollo 18 would be the correct Apollo. Is that right? There yeah. was a movie? I don't even know that. Okay. Yeah. Phil wrote the game. Stupid Pick it up question. on him. All right. What a shocker from Justin yeah. Epson. <laughs> <laughs> Phil wrote Take it up with him. Here we go. On to number... Still for the win. Got to get it to win it. Anton LaVey was the author... Yeah, Tim corrected me on this. Anton LaVey was the author of which 1969 book that spawned a religion in opposition to Christianity. It spawned a religion. Is this Witchy Wednesday? Is this? Yeah. This is a witchy this question. This is witchy. Um, a whole religion? Well, yeah. What, what, yeah, the opposite of Christianity. 
Helter Skelter. Oh, God. No. The Satanic Bible. Who read that? Nobody read it. Like, I read it. I <laughs> <laughs> didn't do even th- win. Who do you think read it? I don't know. I read it. I was three for three, and yeah. then I played to a tie today. Timmy, San Diego. I'm talking to you before, buddy. How are you? I'm doing all right. You uh, sort of went off the rails on a crazy train that time. I did. I I, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I I was uh, feeling pretty good about myself. I was waiting for Jeffrey Dahmer, maybe a um, I don't know who's the lawyer that killed all the girls in Florida. What was his name? The good-looking guy. Uh, come on. John Stamos. You grew up with him. Oh, come on. He was no the serial killer. He killed the, the students in Florida. He was a lawyer. Bundy. Ted Bundy. There you go. Yes. Uh, anyway, he wasn't really a Al lawyer. Bundy. He was a law student. Yeah, that's right. Student. No, he uh, he never became a lawyer. No, he was a law student. But gotcha. he, he did he did uh, represent himself. Uh, yes. And the uh, judge said. Hey, partner, I'd have you uh, argue in front of my court any time. Good luck to you. <laughs> yeah. I remember when Colin Ferguson also represented himself. He's the guy that shot all those people yeah, on the, the Long Island Railroad. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Hey, Timmy, how's my guy Scott Kaplan doing out there in San Diego? You know, I don't listen, but he's doing great, I'm sure. All right. I'm going to well, listen to you, Sid. Well, thank you. you, Timmy. Thank you for uh, playing today's game. Thank you for tuning in every day from the great state of California. Happy New Year. We'll talk again very soon. Thank you. All right, man. Thank you. Take, take care. care. Tim in San Diego. That was Sid's Take brought to you by Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. We'll take a literally a one-minute quick break. Come back and talk to Ebony K. Williams right here on Sid and Friends in the Morning on 77 WABC. It's Sid's Take. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. All right. Ebony K. Williams used to work here alongside Curtis Sliwa. Once again, uh, the specialist on Fox News was on that show quite a bit. Real Housewives of New York City. And now she's got this holding court. It's actually a Webby-nominated podcast doing very, very well. Because on top of everything else... She's beautiful. She's she's acted. She's done all these things. She's also a great lawyer. Here she is, uh, Ebony Williams. Ebony, it's been a while. How are you? Sid, my dear. Oh my God, it's been an eternity. How are you? I'm doing well, darling. How about yourself? I'm uh, I'm doing very well. I, I have to say though that, and you know, you and I got close, and we would kind of joke around about the Bravo Channel. You know, I was friends with the Loris, Will Housewives, all that <laughs> stuff, and and the New York thing just it was a complete disaster. What happened? Um, I'm sorry, what was the disaster, Sid? What? We said something was a disaster, I missed it. What was the no, disaster? No, the, the Real Housewives of New York, I, I mean, it, 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 I, I, not even coming back this season. I mean, what, what essentially, before we get to your Webby-nominated podcast, what happened there? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was fabulous. What are you talking about? Uh, you know, <laughs> um, it, listen, for me it was fabulous anyway. I mean, I can't speak for the rest of the ladies. Um, my career has never been hotter. Um, I've done The View. I've done Good Morning America. Right. It was incredible visibility. Um, you know, I've got a new book coming out at the end of the month. Listen, it's it, it what it was, Sid. You know, you, you know me. Like, you know me. Like, we go back years. Well, I'm going to always match your energy. So when people show up in a space that is willing to make the space and share and coexist and share the platform in a way that's mutually beneficial to all involved, it's going to be a great experience, right? When anybody's hostile to that, Sid, 
when people are insistent on trying to create a scenario where I have to become some sidekick, sidebar, uh, subsidiary yeah. role to, com- to, to accommodate an ego-driven necessity that you might have to center only yourself and your narrative, well, that's where we're going to have a problem. So <laughs> I guess if, if, if it was a disaster in any way, that would probably be where the dynamic fell short. All right, fair enough. Now, uh, you mentioned uh, you've done some uh, stuff on The View, too, and uh, very tragically, I know she was 93, but still tragic, Barbara Walters passed away last week. Did you have any real interaction with Barbara Ebony over the last couple of years? So, uh, unfortunately, Barbara's one of the legends that I never got to personally meet, but, you know, you can't go into that studio even at The View and not feel her, you know, uh, literally and figuratively. Her image is everywhere as it should be. She is the, the, the creator and matriarch of that show and that legacy. Um, and, you know, listen, Barbara Walters is, I don't exist as a broadcaster but for Barbara Walters. No woman in media exists uh, in that capacity but for Barbara Walters. So um, I owe her a great deal. Um, I will say just to be kind of funny, but tragically said, she was 93. Right. Uh, I say, I say, I say, I say, job well done, my yeah. dear Barbara, yeah. Yeah. and it's, you know, go rest with the heavens. Yeah. What is what are the rest of those ladies? I know you've been on it for a while now, but Joy Behar is such a staunch Democrat. I'm not a big fan. I hate her. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, knowing that at one point you worked at Fox News, you worked here at WABC, mm-hmm. Ebony, they don't give you any pushback. Uh, I mean, behind the door, behind the scenes. Oh, behind the scenes, not at all. I think the most pushback that you're going to see from them, at least in my experience, is in front of the camera. I actually found, listen, I didn't have a ton of sidebar with Joy, but, you know, certainly lots of Whoopi and, you know, Sonny Hoffman and myself, we do philanthropy together with Safe Horizon. Uh, you know, there's going to be those differences because, you, again, you know my POV is not steeped in partisan politics, so that already kind of is a little disruptive based off what they do at The View, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So it's like, you know, oh, well, what, what, what side are you on? I'm on the side of right. You know, what kind of question is that? You know, <laughs> I'm on the side of what makes sense uh, for the American people. Anyway, but behind the scenes, you know, everyone was actually really lovely and made space for that. I also think it doesn't hurt that I come from a background, Sid, of, you know, playing at the big league level. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, you know, I'm not coming in like a, you know, some of the young ladies that sit at that table in an audition process or get posts. You know, it's like their first time in the big arena. Um, and so I think, is there, you know, maybe a little hazing, maybe a little intimidation? Probably. Right. I think when you come from the era of O'Reilly and, um, you know, even in sports, Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith, I mean, there's, there's not really a lot of that hazing opportunity there for someone with my, my background. Right. Those Tuesday nights, you and Kimberly Gilfoyle on O'Reilly's show the same yeah. night they had Bernard. And um, and uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy who works late night now, Greg uh, Gutfeld. Uh, Greg Gutfeld. Yeah, that yeah. was that was quite a Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So tell me about uh, holding court. We have about two and a half minutes to go here, Ebony. Holding court. It's nominated for a Webby. Uh, you certainly are, are great when it comes to all these legal matters. That's why Bill O'Reilly had you on. Actually, tell us about holding court. Yep. Yeah. So holding court is my baby. Said um, it's it's a once a week podcast. We go about an hour every Wednesday. We drop new episodes. Myself and Dustin Ross, my co-host, we break it down just as you said. You know, uh, we hear these terms, uh, probation, uh, deferred prosecution. What does it mean? What does it mean? So when, when our celebrities go to court or these big national stories get our attention, holding court breaks down the minutia, the, the nitty-gritty, the in-between stuff, and then we tell you how it applies to your day-to-day. 
And it's not all just criminal stuff, Sid. It's everyday stuff. It's child custody. It's separation agreements. It's child support. It's spousal support. It's, uh, you know, wills, trust the state. It's all the things. All the things that we all should have a bit of awareness around that this system doesn't really want regular, everyday folks to know. And that's why holding court exists. Because, hey, you don't have to go to law school, Sid. I went for you. So just listen to holding <laughs> court, and it's like the same thing. That's very good. And it, what is it, once a week, wherever you download your uh, your podcast, everywhere? Wherever you get your podcast. Yep, Got Apple, it. Spotify, you name it. Now, on the way out, uh, do you miss Curtis Sliwa? <laughs> Listen, I, I, I this is a very particular word. I will tell you this. I was happy to see that Curtis married uh, the young lady that he was dating at the time we hosted the show, so Mazel talk to him. Um, and, and I'm glad to see his health is doing well. So. Yes, he's doing yeah, well. And, I, and, that right, that's very nice. Nancy's yeah. a nice lady. And uh, when was the last time your mom asked about me? Your mother loved me. I don't know if she still does. I have no <laughs> idea. My mother does love you. And she still does. And she's in uh, Alabama now, Sid. So she moved down there to live a good, retired life. And she's doing quite well. Mama Gloria is oh, doing good. well. Oh, good. She was in North Carolina when you were here, right? She was. Yeah. Right, she used right. to be in Charlotte, which is, of course, where I grew up. So, yeah, All right. Well, listen. One of these days, you got to come in and co-host the show with me here at the WABC. That I'd love would to do be that. A very fun time. That would be a fun. Well, do me a favor. We'll, 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 we'll tell Art Sears to give uh, Phil uh, your number, and I'll call you. And you can do that. You come in and sit with me, and we'll. We, we talked about doing this many years we'll ago. Let's do up. it. All right. Yeah, we'll chop it up. Thank uh, you, darling. Tell all right, you love Ebony. Me. I said hi. I will. Bye. Good Bye. luck. Bye. All right, take care. Ebony Bye. K. Williams, that wraps up this Wednesday show. What a show it was. Wow. Wouldn't you say? Don't forget to buy the New York Post, page 8. Sid Rosenberg with the mayor, Eric Adams. I will be with the mayor later on tonight, feeding the homeless by Madison Square Garden, doing my duty as a New York City resident. Great job, uh, Lou Rafino, as always, amazing. Macedonia, Bill, Justin Ellick, Deb Valentine, the whole crew, Frankie Diaz, Noam Layden. We'll all be back again tomorrow morning for a Bill O'Reilly Thursday program at 6 a.m. Until then, on this Wednesday in New York City, from all of us to all of you, peace! Ooh,